This is South Florida's only real sports station. WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. A Beasley Broadcast. Big programming change in the market coming October 1. WQAM.com. Oh! Down the back of my neck. I f***ing blow! Kids Bop Records, where kids sing along with popular songs, now introduces Kids Bop Classic. 20 original modern-day classic songs the whole family can enjoy. Oh, baby, make it hurt so good. The only family that she's ever had is her seven horny brothers and her drunk ass dad. Your kids can dance to these songs all day. They're songs that kids love. Get a job, you f***ing slob, I wish I was special. You're so f***ing special. I get high in the evening and pop the blue. The kids are back. I'm a bitch, I'm a bitch, yes, the bitch is back. I can still be high. I can play the guitar like a motherfucking riot. Kids Bop Classic. Not available in any store. Hurry. Order today. Tom Brady's on the cover of the October GQ. I just got that. That's the important thing on this fact you just sent me. Oh. I'm hearing that echo, aren't you? Oh, we're not back to no. that again. Did it go away? Oh, it was uh, Chuck's fault. No, it's I heard it was Carlos's fault. Not... Oh, well, you Carlos. know something? It's probably his way of rebelling against the fact that uh, that uh, we got liars around the building again. Not that we didn't have enough liars before. We got a new program director on his first day officially as the full-time program director. Was it his second? Whatever the hell it was. Second day. And he lies. Nice going, Clarence. You suck. Tells the guy he's going to meet him right after the show, take care of him, get him on the payroll, uh, do the do the right thing. Like Mo, you know, he did the right thing. That's why George is still there. I appreciate it. Right. And Clarence is supposed to be doing the right thing. Get the, you know, we can't. Not, not everybody in the world wants to come in there just just for the honor of seeing the ugly faces, the ugly pusses and bodies of the gross people in that building. You know, some people like to get paid once in a great while. And this car, so meet me, and what does he do? He vanishes. He pulls the Greg Reed vanishing routine. They go out to lunch, come back a little bit later, look for Clarence. Is he there? No. Can't find him. Long gone. So I figure, well, when he comes in this morning, I'm going to bust his balls about that. Have we seen Clarence yet? No. Our new program director? How about our new operations manager? Anybody seen him yet? I saw him. He poked his head out the door 30 seconds ago. Yeah? He said hi. Well, tell him that, tell him that uh, he's program director again, too. Clarence is fired. It's full of crap. No, no, seriously. What gives I mean, you the right? The, what gives me the right? <laughs> I'm the king of freaking paradise, man. You better get, well, at least uh, the prince. The queen. The queen of paradise, that's me. God dang it. Well, I got news for you, boys and girls. In fact, I'll save it for a couple of minutes because it's such big programming news. Whether Clarence likes it or not, starting October 1st, we got a big major programming change in South Florida on your radio. Oh! And then I'll get some promotion in the morning. Guarantee you that. Somebody who at least will promote the fact that coming up next is Neil, not this baloney. Well, we got Geldy's pregame show, but a man, the Dirty Boys and Ginger Lynn. And, you know, everybody except for like the heart and soul of the radio station, which is me and Mad Dog and Hank, which we don't even get any promotion from that old fuddy-duddy fart. How do you like that? But starting October 1st, that's going to change, baby. You'll see. 
Anyway, we had another year of Palestinian buddies around it again this morning. Yes, the suicide sir. bomber blooms. Don't even start, okay? Because you're I so don't... off on a one. At least I try I'm to not. stay in the middle somewhere to say they're all nuts. But I'm you're in just... the middle. They're all you... nuts. No, you're not. You're in the middle of a bunch of schmata heads is what you're in the middle of. Well, believe me, they, the, uh, they don't like your kind at all. They don't want nothing to do with you greasy spicks, okay? 600 children, more than the a entire... A suicide yeah. bomber blew himself up on a crowded bus in downtown Tel Aviv on Thursday this morning, our time, uh, afternoon, their time, killing at least five people and wounding about 40 in the second such attack in two days. The blast went off during lunch hour while the bus was on Allenby Street in the heart of a restaurant and business district. There was no immediate claim or response. Now, what, what, why would they say what street it is? Okay, this is from the Associated Press. Yeah. Do we know the streets in Tel Aviv? Maybe somebody does. There was no immediate claim of responsibility. A Wednesday's attack in which a suicide bomber blew himself up at a bus stop in northern Israel also killed an Israeli policeman and was claimed by a militant group, the Islamic Jihad. They're all nuts, I'm telling you that right now. Like I said, you want to have yourself a great time, just go over there and get on a bus. Hop on a bus. And speaking of nuts, man, we got a nut, a case out there who's obsessed with our polls. Uh, a crazy person. A total up case. And you mentioned yesterday that he was, well, I, I caught it first, but then you said he's got a program that like automatically like votes, uh, you know, eight million right. times on there. We have 1147 votes. <laughs> I, that might be a one day record. Now, now, back in the Alien days, we topped that. And, in fact, the day that I took the poll, I think it was last week. Wasn't it last toward the end of the week about you? Yeah. We did over a 1,000. Right. And, and he was also on their heavy duty as well. Loves Because he hates you like poison. Yeah. Mr. Contrary, the man who wants to dick up our poll every day. 1,147 votes. <laughs> which is probably more than we got to listening right now. It's certainly double what Mo's audience is. They're coming over uh, one at a time. That's the way we build our audience, one at a time. I can't believe that clearance like uh, shining you like that, Carlos. That's that's unacceptable. That's some of the worst news I've ever heard. Just when we had hopes that maybe we had some people who would be like open and honest and communicate and not screw everybody over. And this guy, he's learning the right way. He must he must be in there sucking Greg Reed's toes right now. That's what got him that promotion. Need him like a goddamn hole in the head. But at any rate. 1,147 votes. What do you listen to most days in that noon to one hour? And the reason we ask the poll is because now that this show has become much more political, and I make no apologies for that, because it's about time somebody heard the goddamn truth of what's going on in the world. At any rate, in the noon to one hour, it's obvious that some of the right-wingers, who are very, very, they've still got their tongue up Bush's ass, both Bushes, by the way, uh, they uh, turn over to Rush or even Bill O'Reilly, which is really desperate. Uh, Neil 617. Bush, three, or Rush, whatever his name is, 346. See, I keep doing that. It's like uh, sublimable. Rush, 346, of which about 270 were bogus from this one asshole out there. And the reason you know that is because, like, between 3.30 and 10 or 11 o'clock last night when I went to bed, every time I checked this thing and you'd, you'd hit the refresh button, you'd get, like, 20 votes and right. 18 would be for Rush. You know, it's good for me. Hey, they were coming in chunks, okay? And I got news for you. When you start coming in chunks, it's time to go see the goddamn doctor. 1153. <laughs> Come on, let's get it up to a million. What do you say, pal? He's probably hopping on it again. Neil 617, Rush 346, Bill O'Reilly 53, other 50, Romy 49. I'd say maybe nine of those are legit and the other 40 are from that asshole. And music 38. So we got 53.5%, which the real number is like between 75 and 79%. And the reason I know that is because when you take a real poll like this, even though it's unscientific, after the first 100 to 200 votes, the percentages don't really change all that much. Have you noticed that? Yes, right. 
after the first 100 to 200, you can take 1,000, 5,000. So generally a good sample. Right. So after the first 100 votes or whatever it was, we had about, you know, 77%, 78 who stick with us and noon to one, whatever, which is fine. In addition to which, in the 9 to 10 hour, there are a lot of our people still listening to Howard, and we're not talking about uh, Mo Howard either. Oh, Mo makes the uh, poll today, by the way. Do you see Jesse Ventura on Hardball with Chris Matthews last night? A, a piece of it. From the University of Minnesota? See, Jesse's one of those people who had good intentions. And I will say this, of course, now that he's not running anymore for governor, he's not going to be in politics, now he can afford to be honest again. Because Chris Matthews tried to hold his feet to the fire with his comment that he made in Playboy about religion is, uh, you know, what did he say again? What was the exact quote? Uh, a crutch for the weak-minded or something like that? Something, something like that. He says there's a pile of crap that's a crutch for people with weak minds. And you know something he is... Absolutely correct, sir. That's when we became enchanted with him because we thought, finally, here's a politician. First of all, he's not beholden to Democrats or Republicans. He's independent. First he was on the uh, Reform Party, and then they didn't like him, so he said, screw all of you, I'm an independent. But uh, he found out real quick that you can't tell it like it is, and then all of a sudden he started backtracking, and well, bada-beep, bada-boop, and, uh, you know... So now that he's getting out, he's saying the truth again. And when it was interesting, because they had the, a large, huge audience there, University of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Some real interesting-looking people, too, by the way. But anyway, enough to make you want to go back to college. Uh, one of the questions that Chris Matthews asked them as a group, how many of you in this group favor invading Iraq? There were maybe five people. There must have yeah. been a, hundreds of kids there. Maybe five. Maybe. So all of these polls that we keep getting about, oh, the overwhelming majority of the American public is all behind us, bullcrap. In fact, CNN yesterday on Wolf Blitzkrieg, the, the question was, will invading Iraq uh, cause, uh, solve more or cause more problems? 65% at the last time I checked it, 65%, and of course CNN doesn't have exactly what you call like liberal viewers, a bunch of old fuddy-duddy right-wingers. 65% said it would cause more troubles than it would solve. How do you like that? Yeah. But we're supposed to believe, oh, minor, still a minor. If the judge gives her approval to the minor's petition, then the $10 million deal will be approved. So we'll keep our eyes on Boston.com, which is the up-to-date website of Boston Globe. That's a really nifty thing. They have like a separate separate little deal, as opposed to a lot of the other newspapers. I don't want to mention any names that like give you the, the, you know, the morning newspaper. And maybe if you're lucky, by the end of the day, they might put a couple of news stories on there. And in big red, oh, new, this is breaking in like they do on uh, the news networks. Now, Boston.com is like new and breaking stuff that they change all throughout the day. And that, what a concept, huh? Wow. And, for example, if there's like a like a baseball game going on and any Boston team is uh, the Red Sox are playing baseball or any team going on, they keep uh, changing the score inning by inning. How do you like that? I like it. Yeah, so you can keep in touch with what's going on in the world instead of getting a bunch of stale old crap, which I noticed the Herald, boy, they're the worst, especially in that People page. They run stories that you see everywhere else like two, three days before. They just discovered that Diana ain't doing too good. U.S. intelligence, speaking of not doing too good, U.S. intelligence bobbled 9-11 clues, says CBS News. American intelligence agencies received far more reports of terrorists plotting to use planes as weapons before 9-11 than the U.S. government has previously acknowledged, congressional investigators said yesterday. House and Senate Intelligence Inquiry Staff Director Eleanor Hill told committee members that intelligence officials picked up overseas warnings prior to the actual attacks. The community continued to believe that Sunni extremists associated with al-Qaeda were most likely to attempt spectacular attacks, resulting in numerous casualties, she said. Hill also told of warnings of explosives-laden planes flying into buildings in this country, reports CBS News correspondent Howard Ehrenstein. 
Chief Washington correspondent Bob Schieffer, who's 120 years old, reports investigators haven't yet found specific information showing that anyone in the government had information the attack would be on the World Trade Center on 9-11. Investigators said the agencies never looked closely at the potential threat of hijacked airliners flying into buildings. And we should hasten to point out that the World Trade Center was mentioned several times. Not only that, but of course it had already been attacked in 1993. Hill's statement was presented to committee members yesterday at the inquiry's first public hearings. Lawmakers have been meeting behind closed doors since June, looking into intelligence failures leading up to the attacks. Now they can be corrected. Kristen Breitweiser, whose husband died in the World Trade Center, seemed bitter. Now a full year later, it's time to look back and investigate our failures as a nation, she'd be testifying. These public hearings are part of our search for the truth, not to point fingers or pin blame, but with the goal of identifying and correcting whatever systemic problems might have prevented our government from detecting and disrupting al-Qaeda's plot, said BDI Senator Bob Graham, chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. I think the uh, uh, systemic problem is called incompetence. That's the word for it. He'll outline 12 examples of intelligence information on the possible terrorist use of airplanes as weapons, dating back to 1994. The last example occurred a month before the attacks. <coughs> When intelligence agencies were told of a possible bin Laden plot to bomb U.S. Embassy in Nairobi, Kenya, or crash a plane into it, but it contained no specifics pointing to the impending 9-11 attacks. Other intelligence suggested that bin Laden supporters might crash a plane into a U.S. airport or conduct a plot involving aircraft at New York and Washington, the report said. New York and Washington. Sound familiar? Familiar. While generally aware of the possibility of this method of attack, the intelligence community did not produce any specific assessments of the likelihood that terrorists would use airplanes as weapons, the report said. With revelations in the spring that President Bush had learned a month before the attacks that bin Laden wanted to hijack airplanes, the White House defended the lack of disclosure of the information by saying the President's briefing detailed plans for traditional hijackings, not the use of airplanes as weapons. National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice said at the time that the threat was vague and uncorroborated. That's Condoleezza Rice, who used to be the head of Chevron. I don't think anybody, not the head, but she used to be on the board of Chevron. I don't think anybody could have predicted they would try to use an airplane as a missile, Rice said. Had the president known of something more specific or known that a plane was going to be used as a missile, he would have acted on it. Congressional investigators also said that an intelligence briefing two months before the 9-11 attack warned that Osama bin Laden would launch a spectacular terrorist attack against U.S. or Israeli interests. Between May and July 2001, the National Security Agency reported at least 33 communications indicating a possible imminent terrorist attack. Now, let me ask you, is my memory fading me, or did we, didn't we go into orange alert back then, too? Uh, you know no. what, I think? Didn't no, we not only didn't we it? go into it, we didn't even have it. Oh, that's right. The July 2001 briefing for senior government officials said that based on a review of intelligence information over five months, we believe that bin Laden will launch a significant terrorist attack against U.S. and or Israeli interests in the coming weeks. That was in July 2001, and of course it was just a few weeks later that it happened. But Hill said the credibility of the sources was sometimes questionable, and no specific details about the attacks were available. And days after the U.S. put a bounty on Osama Yamama, the terror mastermind countered with a $9 million reward to whoever assassinated the heads of the CIA, FBI, and other top government officials. This also came out at the hearings yesterday. A congressional report released yesterday said the blood money offer was made in November of 98. The price was put on the heads of CIA Director George Tenet, Defense Secretary William Cohen, and Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. The feds learned in 2000 that they were also plotting to assassinate FBI Director Louis Free. Bin Laden and his senior advisors apparently decided to dangle the $9 million reward before his followers shortly after the U.S. offered $5 million for the capture of the al-Qaeda terror leader. The U.S. reward since been increased to $25 million. It's not clear whether al-Qaeda is still able to make good on its offer. You think they are? Yes. <clears throat> and by the way, have we found him yet? No. Like everybody says, at least we know where Saddam is anyway. And we didn't do too good a job of uh, getting rid of him either. 
Didn't do too good of a job of that because he's got all those uh, all those joints, you know. Yeah. And he's smoking them. That's what we're hearing. Ninety-three votes on the poll already. The most evil person in South Florida because you know these days that we live in now, a lot of evil people running around doing a lot of evil things, a lot of evil doers. Mayor Alex Pinga Pequena has forged to the lead with 31. H. Wayne Hypinga, 24. Joe Carroyo, 14. Mo Howard David with 12. Greg Reed, 6. Peter Bolger with 3. Nick and Merle with 3. Coming up on 956 at QAM, we got Jim at 1. Hank Goldberg at 3 with Bino Cook again. Wow. Oh, my God. Between 5 and 6. Hank's on 3 to 6.30 with little Bino in there. And believe me, you'll need it when you hear that guy. Marlins on deck 6.30. Marlins and the Spose at 7.05. Followed by Eddie K and Joe and Mark, the Dirty Boys overnight. And was that Ginger Lynn tonight that I'm always uh, salivating about? I guess. Ginger Lynn. Now she must be kin to Amber Lynn. I don't think so. Come on. How about Lynn Freitas? <laughs> How about her? 9:56 at 5:60 WQM. By now you've heard the incredible earning potential of a computer professional, and you've also heard us talk about the incredible demand for certified computer professionals and the fact that Todd Reck is a slackard who refuses to get off his ass. You've also heard us talk about the great people at Fast Train. So it's time to do yourself a big favor: pick up the phone and call Fast Train toll free at 1-866 Fast Train. You can complete your program, get certified in just four short months, and be on your way to a new higher-paying career too. Fast Train has got four convenient locations all over Dayton, Broward, including that brand new one in highly congested Kendall. Fast Train's got convenient day, evening, and weekend classes to fit your busy schedule. Fast Train is a full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience, so they'll get you into the field. Don't delay. Pick up the phone and call our good friends at Fast Train at 1-866-FAST-TRAIN and let them get you on the way to a real, uh, honest-to-goodness career making some serious bucks. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN, or you can check them out on the web if you like at FastTrain.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. UAM. It's day. All right. In Miami town. <laughs> at 560 WQAM. Oh. Asshole. Asshole. That way I sing a suction asshole. Yes. He yelled at Vanish, that greedy turd. Because he wouldn't take a shower with Hankelberg. Asshole. Asshole. Rectum. H. Wayne Heisinger, such an asshole. He's just like Hitler and Ava Braun. What's that? He's pounding on. I'll tell you, he's still kicking ass, although it's pretty close. Wayne Heisinger, the most evil man in South Florida, has got 36 votes. Mayor Pinga Pequena, 33, just changing in. 37 of 34. Joe Carroyo, 18. Mo Howard David's got 15. Pretty good, Mo. Greg Reed with six. Nick Navarro with five. And Petey Bulger's only got three. Now, did uh, Muff come in there and give you this fax to fax to me? Yes. And did he do it with a straight face? Yeah. 
Did you read it? No. Oh. Wait till you hear what this fax is. I sure hope he's in his I mean, office. I know, I know the gist of it. Something about the phones and the engineers. Can and, you know. George call at 1 p.m. today to get the phones working? Please let me know. Duff. No. No, the answer is no. Haven't I already made that clear? Don't you think I expounded? I guess he's not listening now that he's back. He's not listening. Go back home, Duff, because at least when you were home, you listened to the uh, show. No. Now, didn't I make myself clear if it was a problem on that end or like somewhere in between with some kind of a technical thing that needed to be taken care of with a phone company or on that end? Then they could, like, take care of it. But in the meantime, now that I know that it's here, and since we're not going to be using the phones any time before I leave here in a few weeks, uh, it makes sense to get the, the Toronto engineer up here. See, that? they don't want to do that because then they're going to have to pay him, see? You see what I'm saying? I see. I see. But it's too freaking bad because they're going to have to do it. Get his ass up here. And uh, have him take care of that, and then also check out the overhead and uh, I mean the uh, the thing, the talkback. This. Yeah. Yeah, Carlos said yeah, but we don't know if it dumps or not. He's got he's got to come in here like fine tune the damn thing. You know, it's like a tune up for a car, for a beat up old car. Same thing with here. So the answer is no. Plus it's Thursday anyway, Duff. It's May Day. <clears throat> May Day, like May Day. like Rick Jenneret would say, May Day, May Day. But this was an M A I D, Maid Day. That's right, Duff. It's time to get made. You should know something about that. Made or laid. But at any rate, so at 1 o'clock, I go zooming out the door on Thursday. In addition to which, it wouldn't make any difference what day it was, because the answer is still no. And what, you know what they're going to say again? Oh, see, he changes his mind. He was all... It's not a question of changing my mind. Now that I know that it requires crawling around on the floor here and doing a whole bunch of crap on this end, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in playing engineer. You follow what I'm saying? What are you saying? Pass the message along to that clown. Here we got two... Now we got two chiefs. Before we didn't have any, then we had an interim kind of chief, and Duff was in there in a goddamn straitjacket somewhere trying to get his brains unscrambled because Greg lies so much. And now we got two honchos. Carlos can't find anybody who will talk to him about getting paid. And now Duff, even though I made it very clear the answer is no, he wants to know, can the engineers call me at 1 o'clock? Hey, guess what? The answer is no. Very, very simple. Nay, yet, nine, no. What other language? Italian, no. Spanish, no. English, no. Wow. Uh, anyway, it's 10.04, WQM. I tell you, I was in such a good mood today, and you know what? I'm always in a good mood here. Remember when we were taking calls the first few days when I started doing the shows here, and we right. get those ass-sucking calls? Boy, Neil, you sure sound happy like you're in a real good mood yeah. up there. I am. I'm in a sensational mood. I love it. It's like a real place with real people. I feel like I'm like a living like a real life. You know what I'm saying? What are you saying? I'm saying it sucks there is what I'm saying, and, of course, part of the oh, reason yeah, it sucks yeah. there is what's going on in that building. A bunch of people running around the halls going, blah, 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 moving desks. Everybody's got an office now. Everybody's got a title. And we still can't get anything done right. You have to have like a mental hernia to get somebody to send you a piece of copy in that joint. And by the way, Skippy, you're not fooling anybody. Takes the word schlep out of that copy and faxes it back to me here. Schlep on this, sweetheart. You won't be there long. 125 votes on the poll. How come I got so worked up today, you know? I don't know. We decent. It must be uh, this picture that you sent me yesterday. Maybe that got me all whipped up to a frenzy. Didn't you fax this to me with Chelsea? No. Well, who the hell faxed this to me then? Controversy after P. Yeah, you. Oh, it was you didn't. No, you didn't fax it to me. It was in that. It was in that FedEx. Oh, okay. You put a whole bunch Oops. of stuff in there by mistake. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Sorry. You know, George got so carried away. Was trying to be so um, efficient. That he not only faxed me a CD, but in there he put he put his menu from Balance for Life. Which, which, did you get that, by the way? The Baba Ganoush? 
No, did you get the menu that I passed you back? <laughs> yes, I did. Thank you very much. Uh, Bob, and he's oh. making a joke about it. See, I was going to talk about the good stuff that's on the menu, like the turkey meatballs with barbecue sauce. Yeah, man. And the shrimp cocktail with lemon rice. And the uh, turkey, ham, onion, spinach, egg, and cheese burrito. And the sweet potato pancakes with turkey and eggs benedict. And uh, all kinds of good stuff. And then I noticed today, oh, this is for next Thursday. So just keep it in mind yeah. for your morning snack Choose the shrimp cocktail with lemon rice as oh, opposed no to the baba ganoush with turkey. Baba ganoush. <laughs> that Troy man, he's got quite a sense of humor. Anyway, what got me all whipped up was this picture that was also in there. Controversy after People Magazine pictures Chelsea Clinton in a row state. I had that story on yeah. a few days ago. And lo and behold, here's the picture. Much ado about nothing. She well, wasn't wearing a bra. Her boyfriend has got his hands around her waist from behind. He's smiling. And she's uh, she's got her eyes like kind of closed, and, the, and there's nothing going on there. And you know? nipples are maybe a little bit perky, uh, like there's her nipples wrong with that. have never been perky. Okay, believe me, there ain't nothing about her that's perky, jerky, if maybe I, if perky, I flick them, maybe if perky, I flick them, jerky. Perk right up. She ain't perky, okay? Nobody would touch them. her. In fact, this kid, what the hell? He's all over her for. Didn't you tell me he comes from a family with big money or something? That's right. Remember, he has political aspirations. Ian Klaus. Yes. Maybe he knows Klaus Barbie. But at any rate, or maybe Barbie doll, because she sure as hell would make one hell of an ugly Barbie doll. She is gross. She is gruesome. She is one of the ugliest creatures that ever... She makes me look like goddamn Robbie Benson. That's how ugly that bitch is. She makes Fat Boy look like uh, Tom Brady. She is nasty. And remember that period of time? It lasted for about a week. Oh, she's the hot new sex symbol, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> right. So is Hermione Gingold. God. Oh, look at that. Working with him. Okay, thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Wilders. El Presidente with that dumb look on his face. Dumber than you. Look at that. No, Bewildered. I know. I know. Alfred E. Bush. Man, oh, man. He's got D-U-M-M -M written all over his puss. Good golly. But it's not. It's a, this will be a, uh, uh, a chance for Congress to uh, indicate support. Yeah, to indicate support and how politically weak need they are. Right. He's, he, I'll give him credit for that, boy. He sure as hell played them like a fiddle. Frickin' Democrats. I told you, both parties suck. That's why if Jesse, Jesse would have had a little bit more backbone. But see, he realized, he, you know, you, you just can't do that. Mm -mm. You can't tell. In fact, they uh, on that show last night on uh, uh, whatever the hell that show is, Hard Hardballs, and Chris Matthews says, well, how many of you people here would like to see Jesse run for governor again? And it was like, uh, in fact, some booze, you know. Really? But generally speaking, uh, they, they like him for the WWF thing, for the wrestling thing. And for the fact that he says a lot of unorthodox things, and he also was talking about the fact that gays ought to be in the military and women and, you know, all this other stuff. Women ought to be allowed to be in combat if they want. How do you like that? Of course. Spy scandal has reduced America's control of missions. Speaking of the warmongering Bushmeister, this is in the London Times. The United States, and it's written by James Bone in New York. You know old Bone? No. The U.S. will find it hard to control the U.N. weapons inspectors in Iraq as it once did because of changes made after U.S. spying scandal, writes Mr. Bone. The last weapons inspectorate, known as UNSCOM, was closed down in 1999 after it emerged that Washington had used American members of its inspection teams to spy on Iraq. The new inspection agency, known as um UNMOVIC, was deliberately designed to reduce the Americans' overwhelming influence, thus making it more difficult for Washington to provoke a crisis if it so desires. In the new body, Americans play a reduced role in planning inspection missions, and unlike its predecessor, will not use U.S. government staff. Perhaps the most telling change was the abolition of the powerful post of deputy chairman, which was always held by an American. The highest-ranking American in the agency now has a relatively lowly job in charge of the training division. The key post of activity evaluation is held by a Chinese official. 
but I sure hope you don't poison their food. That, uh, that of liaising with foreign governments and companies is held by a Russian. Don't you love that word, liaising? New one. Another key reform is that the inspectors no longer use U.S. spy satellites but employ commercial satellite companies instead. But there have been many more subtle innovations, such as giving all new inspectors cultural sensitivity training. The changes were all part of a grand diplomatic bargain struck after withdrawal of UNSCOM inspectors in 1998 when it emerged that American members had planted bugs and even installed a safe in the U.N. office in Baghdad containing communications equipment to beam information up to satellites. The original U.S. ceasefire teams at the end of 1991 Gulf War were clear. Iraq could get sanctions lifted only in return for full cooperation in eliminating its weapons of mass destruction. The 1999 resolution that established UNMOVIC, however, sketched the New Deal in less rigid terms, the suspension but not lifting of sanctions in return for progress on key remaining disarmament tasks. UNMOVIC now has a roster of 220 trained inspectors from 44 countries, including Stephen Hatful. <laughs> including Stephen Hatfield, the former U.S. government researcher whose home has been searched repeatedly by the FBI in connection with the investigation in last year's anthrax attacks. Mr. Blix met Iraqi officials last night. was due to brief the U.N. Security Council on his talks with him today. Oh, man. Stephen Hatfield. Well, it would be a good way for him to get out of the country and stop being hassled here, you know what? Poor Stevie. More terrorism concerns. This from ABC News. The FBI sent a notice to thousands of law enforcement officers yesterday warning, that, warning them that terrorists may be developing a new way to hijack passenger jets, government sources told ABC News. The agency also is concerned that the Al-Qaeda terror network is searching for new ways to sneak explosives on planes, explosives that can't be detected. Law enforcement sources emphasized that the Al-Qaeda discussions took place before last year's 9-11 attacks and that there's no information indicating current ongoing planning. In today's weekly intelligence bulletin yesterday, distributed to 18,000 law enforcement agencies around the country, the FBI warned that al-Qaeda members have discussed hijacking a commercial airliner using Muslim extremists of non-Arabic appearance to slip past security. The bulletin is based on interrogation of an al-Qaeda member in detention. This is a very smart bunch of people, and they definitely think of all the angles, said Robert Blitzer, former FBI chief of the Domestic Terrorism Counterism Planning Section, no relation to Wolf Blitzkrieg. They're all very creative, he said. Just look at how well they hid themselves here in the U.S. prior to the 9-11 attacks. The discussions involved using 10 to 20 Chechen Muslims affiliated with al-Qaeda, but already present in the U.S., to overwhelm the crew after taking seats in first class, according to the FBI bulletin. Other discussions called for sneaking liquid explosives mixed with coffee and brought onto the plane in carry-on bags. Aviation sources said current airport technology would not detect such explosives. Even though the al-Qaeda plans were developed before 9-11, sources say, given al-Qaeda's tendency toward long-term planning, there's no reason for concern. Al-Qaeda does plan years in advance, and we've seen this over and over again. Blitzer said, very, very long planning cycles, sometimes up to two to five years. Feel better now? Much. Yeah, sit back and relax for a little while. <sighs> or not. Uh-oh. Twelve minutes after 10 at 560 WQM, we got the Mad Dog Jim Mandich Show coming up at 1 o'clock this afternoon, the Hysterical Hound. When you shop for quality shoes, footwear, and uh, what is it? When you shop for quality footwear, selection and professional service are mighty important for you. But what we're talking about, that's why I get tongue-tied, is price, because that's what most people are shopping for. They know at Brandy's they're going to get great shoes and all the top names, but price they want to know about. They know they're going to get knowledgeable people who know your feet inside and out and give you great, friendly, personal service, but price is what they're concerned about. Well, let me tell you right now, Brandy's is unbeatable, which is why they're still going strong in that same great location they've been for about 6,000 years. And they got all the top names in the shoe business. Rockports, SAS, Sperry, Timberland, Naturalizer, and all the other top names you know and love as well. Brandy's is open every day of your life from 9 to 9, Sundays 10 till 5, and you'll find them in that stupendous location. Like I said, 1290 North Federal Highway in Pompano Beach. And the final summer closeout sale continues for an extra week this week, right now. 
For a special uh, select group of famous brands, it's the big closeout with up to 73% savings this week, right now at Brandy Shoes in Pompano Beach. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours. QAM. Go out there and break that f***ing guy's neck. Major Payne, all right. 1018 at 560. Oh, there's Major Payne. Explain. The DEA has documented over 70. Government announces arrest in date rape drug ring. And there's John her, uh, her Ask, Ascroft. Non death overdose. Heinrich von Ascroft. These drugs are frequently used at so called rave parties on college campuses and nightclubs and have had devastating consequences, particularly to young women who have fallen victim to date rape after unwittingly consuming the chemicals. These arrests make it clear that those who use the Internet to conduct illegal drug transactions will be investigated. They will be apprehended. Good. Go get him. Get on here. Get him off my show, uh, Hermann uh, Gehring, Jr. Boy, he makes me nauseous. 1019 at 560 WQAM, and boy, I tell you, these pre-stories, just when you think you're finished, no, they no. just keep they keep pouring in. Thank goodness the mainstream media's gotten off their ass about it, though, you know, because we've got more important fish to fry, more important uh, schmata heads to fry. Judge closes hearings on Noel Bush's clinic workers. A judge yesterday closed to the public a hearing to determine whether four drug rehab workers were in Noel Bush's receiving treatment must answer police questions about the governor's daughter. Police officers received a report last week that Noelle Bush had cracked cocaine in her shoe. How come Ashcroft's not talking about that? But workers at the Center for Drug-Free Living have refused to cooperate, citing privacy concerns. The Orange Osceola State Attorney's Office has subpoenaed the four workers to compel them to answer questions. Circuit Judge Belvin Perry today closed the hearing to reporters, citing public health laws that protect people in drug and alcohol treatment programs. Margaret Cozan, an attorney for the Orlando Sentinel, argued that there was a public interest in the case since it involved the governor's daughter. Assistant State Attorney Jeff Ashton, while not taking a position on whether the hearing should be public, said that prosecutors weren't seeking records but information on what was said between the drug rehab workers and the police. Carlos Barrezo, attorney for the rehab workers, said that opening the hearing would violate patient confidentiality laws. Uh, Perry said he'd make a decision next week. Police said two-tenths of a gram of, co of a point two grams of crack cocaine were found in Noel's shoe last week after they were called to the center by another patient, but Bush was not arrested because officers couldn't get sworn statements from the staffers at the Center for Drug-Free Living. 
In July, she spent about 48 hours in the Orange County Jail after center staff members caught her with unauthorized prescription drugs. Since then, she's been receiving positive reviews from Whitehead. Bush, the niece of El Presidente, moved to the center in February after she was arrested, of course, in Tallahassee for trying to pass a fake prescription for Xanax, which George could have got her all she wanted. No problem at all, right? Right. Well, for a price. Yeah, you better call up uh, that center for drug rehab and give them all your number, okay? Keep her out of trouble. She's yeah. ugly. Yeah, she, oh, she's scary. And again, like I said, could happen in any family. happens in the best of families. Just like George McGovern said about her, his daughter died of alcoholism. They found her dead in a snowbank. But the fact of the matter is that most families aren't goody-two-shoes running around telling everybody how much better they are than everybody else, which the Bushies are always doing. In the meantime, they're trying to cover up one scandal after another. I wonder how that woman's doing in Texas, the one that they finally shut up, you know, before the election with that rape, that rape deal. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And then, of course, there was that picture of uh, President <laughs> Sloshed out of his mind with that booze in his hand. But at any rate, it must have just been, it was like lemonade. It was ginger ale. Remember that? Uh-huh. That little uh, movie yeah, it clip? Was just, it was, yeah, non-alcoholic. Why would you presume such a thing? Because I'm a bastard. Gainesville minister arrested on charges of molesting boy. There's a bastard. A pastor who worked at a church in Gainesville for 18 years has been arrested for allegedly molesting a teenage boy in North Carolina earlier this year. Reverend John Sherhouse, 51, was charged with taking liberties with a minor child, said Paula Townsend, a spokeswoman for the Watauga County Sheriff's Office in Boone, North Carolina. Is that anywhere near you? That's very near me. My brother graduated from that high school. Really? Yes. Well, he wasn't molested by this uh, priest, was he? I'll ask. Oh, wait a minute. This was not This was a pastor. This was, Oh, thank God. We weren't going to the Catholic Church in North Carolina. Mama wanted to take communion, so we went Episcopal. Townsend said Sherhouse had been freed on $10,000 bond. A hearing in the case is set for November. Uh, which is uh, Watauga County is on the North Carolina-Tennessee border. Oh, my God, what a horrible place that must be. A grand jury in North Carolina indicted him last month. Court records show the charge stems from an incident June 27th. Surehouse had been placed on medical leave from Gainesville's first Baptist church in July and was to resign at the end of the year, said Reverend, Reverend John Fairless, the church's senior pastor. The medical leave includes full salary, benefits allows his medical coverage to continue. Reverend Surehouse made me aware of the circumstances in his life, Fairless said. He felt like he needed to be relieved from his duties. Surehouse referred questions about the case to his North Carolina-based attorney, Scott Casey, but told the Gainesville son not to jump to conclusions, not to speculate, to allow the judicial system to work. He will not be allowed to return to the church's congregation. Not even going to retire anyway. Right? Right on. Lawsuit alleges archdiocese conspired to hide the abuse. This is from Boston.com, which I just mentioned a little while ago. A Boston lawyer filed a civil lawsuit yesterday accusing the Archdiocese of Boston of conspiring to cover up alleged sexual misconduct by 12 priests over 50 years. Oh! How do you like them, Apple? Father O'Toole, God. A lawsuit filed by Carmen Durso on behalf of 27 plaintiffs says that church officials failed to respond to complaints of sex abuse, protecting the 12 alleged perpetrators, and tried to cover up the evidence of abuse. This has been going on for years and years and years, Durso said. Individuals in the diocese have been aware that it's been going on and haven't done a goddamn thing about it. I don't think he said goddamn thing. I said no. it about it. I voted. How's that poll coming? 166 votes. Who's the most evil person in South Florida? Mayor Alex Pinga Pequena, 50. Wayne Hypinga, 45. Joe Carroyo, 26. Mo Howard David, 23. He's doing pretty good. He's in the top four. Greg Reed, 13. Nick Navarro, 5. And little Petey Bulger's only got four. I'll guarantee if all the people he screwed over in the, the broadcasting business, if they were listening right now, if they were right near their computer, he'd have like a whole bunch, P.D. Bolger. Make no mistake about that. Two more Shavera students alleged abuse. Am I saying that right, Portland, Maine? I don't know. Neither do I. Neither would any, well, Nobody would know unless they're from Portland, Maine. 
Two more former Shaviris High School students are accusing the Reverend James Talbot of sexually abusing them, according to a lawyer representing the Jesuits' alleged victims. Remember Jean-Guy Talbot, the hockey player? No. Talbot was set to be arraigned today in Massachusetts on the charges he molested three Boston College high school students in the 70s. He also faces allegations of abuse in Maine. He was transferred to Chevrolet in 1980. For years, Michael Doherty was the only Chevrolet student to accuse the popular coach and charismatic teacher of sexual impropriety. Talbot was suspended from teaching after Doherty sued him in 1998. Now two other men say Talbot accused, uh, abused them while students at the school several uh, years ago at Doherty's experience. What is it? Let me try that again. Now two other men say Talbot abused them while students at the school several years after Doherty's experience. According to Rob McLeese, Jr., the attorney represents them. McLeese would not identify either man. He said one has filed a negligence suit against the Society of Jesus in Boston and Boston College High School, alleging that Talbot's supervisors knew or should have known about his behavior and taken action to stop it before he was transferred to Chevrolet. McLeese said the other man is also preparing to follow a lawsuit. Good for him. Oh! Sue their ass, okay? Bunch of Farbis and a goyim. 1026, bunch of hypocrites, baby. Bunch of finger-pointing hypocrites. 1026 at 560 WQAM. If you're looking in the mirror and wondering where it all went, where it vanished to, down the drain, down the turlet, on the floor, and uh, wherever, your hair we're talking about, all you guys, here's the answer. You're not going to get it back by osmosis. Smearing a bunch of stuff on your head isn't going to do it. Taking a bunch of dangerous pills isn't a smart way to do it. If you want to get a great-looking head of hair, there's only one guy who can help you do it, and that's Charles Alfieri. He's been helping the famous and even schleppers like you for more than 25 years. And the reason that even famous people with the oodles of money go to Charlie is because for no amount of money in the world can you get a better-looking head of hair. The natural hairline system is the way to go. It makes you look sensational. It looks like the hair's really grown out of your scalp. So the choices for well, you got really three choices. Stay, uh, you know, continue walking around like a cue ball if you want, with almost no hair. Number two, you can put a dead animal on your head like Bob Eisenberg and Mo. Or number three, you can go see Charlie and get that natural hairline system. Mention Neil Rogers when you call to get that special $200 discount as well. And Charlie also services and repairs all kinds of hair systems while you wait for only 25 to 30 bucks. And when you get the natural hairline system at the Alfieri Studios, everybody gets Charlie's 30-day guarantee. If after 30 days you don't love the way it looks and feels and smells, if you're not getting laid like at least every hour on the hour, Charlie will give you a full refund. So you have nothing to lose but that ugly bald spot. Call right now, toll-free, 1-800-321-2413. That's 1-800-321-2413, or log on to their prestigious website at charlesalfieri.com. That's the way to do it. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. God. Coming up tonight on Inside the Behind the True Hollywood Celebrity Music Biography Profile Story, we take a good, hard, stiff look into stardom. It only took one hit for them to burn their freaking song into our brains. But it only took one man to bring them to their freaking knees. They were after the fire. So we're recording the song, right? And I know it's missing something, but I don't know what. Lead singer Jack Wofford talks about his so-called creative process. So I'm singing out loud, you know, don't turn around. And just then, the janitor is walking by, and he goes, uh-oh. And I go, they're commissars in town. And he goes, uh-oh. And right then, I knew we had a hit. Unfortunately for the band, so did the janitor, Ron Bustum. Hey, it was my uh-ohs that made that song so popular. I was making sh money as a janitor. I figured, why not ream them good? Ron hired a sleazy lawyer who tricked the band into paying Ron $5,000 for every uh-oh, every time the song was played anywhere in the world for his entire life. 
That oily little bastard. I mean, 5,000 every time he goes, uh-oh. We went broke in about 20 minutes. I worked at Borders for crying out loud. Meanwhile, at his Hawaiian villa, Ron the janitor has attained rock star cult status, which he openly uses to get laid a lot. Oh, Ron. Do it again, Ron. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, Ron. After the fire. They learned the hard way not to let a janitor go, uh-oh, in your song. It's a big, juicy, sopping wet look at show business tonight on Inside the Behind. Uh-oh. Oh! 10.33 at 5.60 WQAM. They just keep getting better, you know? Yep. State asked for election help from Justice Department in November elections. We need some help. That's what the state is saying. And believe me, they do. The state asked, by the way, did you uh, convey that message to Muff? No. That, that was the message. No, that was the, that was the correct message. <laughs> okay. Hey, no. uh, Carlos, go tell Duff no. Yeah, go tell Tuff the answer is no and start listening to the show and quit. The, we don't need him back. we got two useless people in that building now. we got Muff and Clarence. I guess they're splitting up the duties, <laughs> kind of like Jason used to do, and take pictures of them. The state asked U.S. Department of Justice Wednesday to help to send help to prevent a repeat of the botched primary election in two South Florida counties in November's general election. Confidence in the state's efforts to reform its election system has been shaken by the problems in Dade and Broward County, Secretary Jim Smith be saying, and letting to Attorney General John Ascroft. Oh, that should take care of it. Let's get the feds in there, huh? Let's go. Now that Jeb is running for re-election, let's get some of the Bushmeister people in there to count the votes by hand. Smith, Florida's top elections official, said the state is reviewing the problems and asked Ascroft to take whatever steps you deem necessary to participate in this review. He also asked the Justice Department to assist election supervisors in ensuring a smooth general election. Regrettably, the difficulties in Dade and Broward counties have driven some to question the wisdom and effectiveness of these dramatic measures. Thus, the fate of election reform in Florida and perhaps our nation rests upon the immediate and effective response, Smith wrote. Governor Jeb Bush, the president's brother, also sent Ascroft letters supporting Smith's request. Yeah, he probably tells him we need some help because i got a real candidate here now, Bill McBride, who can beat my ass, who can whip the crap out of me in November if you don't send some feds down here to botch up the votes for us. Earlier Wednesday, Bush and Smith said Broward County Commissioners should take over the November 5th general election from the county's elections chief to ensure against another botched election. Smith said he would try and pressure Broward election supervisor Miriam Elephant to accept a proposal by Broward Commission Chairwoman Lori Parrish that the commission have county workers open the polls, staff them and close them, and that sheriff's deputies deliver ballot boxes to counting centers. Instead of having them sit around for about up to a week, you see that story? Yes. Yeah, they just kind of been sitting around here and there, and then the one guy took them home because, uh, you know, there was nobody else around to give them to. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. If it was any place else, but in Florida, of course, especially in South Florida, very believable because it's the effing way we do things. 186 votes on the poll. Who's the most evil person in South Florida? Mayor Alex Pinga Pequeña, 55, but it's a good two-horse race. Wayne Hypinga's got 50. Joe Carroyo, 31. Mo Howard David, 26. Greg Reed, 13. Nick Navarro, 6. And Pete Bolger, again, is sucking wind. He's uh, hind end with only five votes. Last place. Rumsfeld implores Congress to quickly pass resolution giving President to move on Iraq. Congress must authorize the use of military force against Iraq before the U.N. Security Council votes on the issue. Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld told Congress yesterday. Did you see? Well, you didn't because we were on the air. But when he started going to that thing about the... Smallpox, 
Yeah. That was one of the most grotesque, one of the most irresponsible, and they just sit there listening. Like this is a man who's talking rationally. We already know about the dangers of smallpox and the fact that lunatics, if they want to do a uh, biological attack on any country, that smallpox is one of the things they might use. But here's our good buddy Sodom, who uh, Rumsfeld back just uh, a few years ago was over there sucking his uh, toes. Uh, biological weapons on the mainland here? Based on what? Based on the figment of his imagination because they're desperate. They're desperate to justify this war that they've already got drummed up. We've already, we're already moving all of our goddamn ships over there and all of our armaments. We're already putting everybody in place. This is like Tessio again. That's what Bush told the, told the Sodom on the phone the other day. He said, you screwed up all my plans. When he said, oh yeah, bring the inspectors back in. Screwed up all his plans. The goal isn't inspections. The goal is disarmament, Rumsfeld said. That's what Iraq agreed to do. And, of course, every week they give us a different story. First it was uh, disarmament. No, I take that back. First it was inspections. Right. Then it was disarmament. And then finally it was regime change. Now they've gone from regime change back to disarmament because regime change sounds too much like assassination. And $200 billion like, sounds like a hell of a lot too much money to assassinate somebody, plus all the lives that would be lost. Just absolutely unbelievable. And I'll say it again on that goddamn show last night, that Chris Matthews show, and he makes me sick, by the way. On the Chris Matthews show. Oh, you, you should have seen when uh, he asked uh, Jesse Ventura about the religion quotes in Playboy. Yeah. And he, he gave him the opportunity to, like, to backtrack or wiggle out of it. Mm hmm And and Jesse says, well, he says, why should I change my comments? Why should I feel bad about it? He said, Good. what happened on, on 9-11, that was about religious fanatics. Right and Chris on. Matthews, and Chris Matthews looks at him with a straight face and says, oh, you think that's what was behind it? What this, a is fat what, this is what part. you people get from the so-called mainstream media, especially the electronic media, because they're peeing in their pants. They're afraid that they're going to offend some sponsors somewhere. So they're not going to give you the goddamn truth, especially when it comes to religion. They're scared crapless of religion. And, he, and even those college students, a couple of comments he made, they sat there like, like kind of like that, because they're all good brainwashed uh, sure. you know, Americans. Who've had their brains, at least a good part of their brains, stolen from them, believing in the and the God bull crap and the tooth fairy bull crap and the boogeyman bull crap, and just like that story I had the other day said, now, now we're going back to the boogeyman stuff. That's what the Bushmeisters, the warmongers, the chicken hawks. That's what they're peddling to the world now is the boogeyman deal. And I still can't find that song. What is that? I'm your boogeyman. Oh, it's there. It's on the uh, KC. It's on a white album, white CD. Okay, in the rack or in a box. <laughs> you haven't lost it, George. You still got that great sense of humor. Oh, and speaking of rigging polls, in the prestigious globe, all the tabloids, at least some of them came out again yesterday, and when those tabloids come out, man, I'm on top of them. I rigged American Idol. Fan manipulated voting for Kelly with computer trickery. So that asshole we got out there likes to dick with our poll. He's small potatoes. This guy, I'm going to get to the story in a minute. This guy rigged with millions of votes. How do you like that? Not a couple hundred here and a couple hundred there. With millions of votes. You believe it? I believe it. Rigged. They were saying that. They were saying that all along, that they, they, they smelled a rat, and it wasn't in China. How about that rat poison thing, huh? <laughs> I, I, I think maybe I'm going to have to take back what I said about the Chinese. I made like a blanket endorsement. And you, you of course, on the other hand, making a blanket indictment. So Dog-eating barbarians. The, the truth is uh, somewhere, somewhere in between. There's a Do you have any idea how many Chinese people are in uh, Toronto? 
I don't know, million? Fifty trillion. Just to give you an idea, there are there's not one, not two, there are three Chinatowns. Wow. Where's Chinatown in South Florida, by the way? Toronto. Yeah, that's right. There is no Chinatown. In fact, Miami is the only supposed, and I say supposed, major metropolitan city that don't have a Chinatown. Who ever heard of like a real major city without a Chinatown? They got plenty everywhere else. I see. Why would they want to go somewhere and start a new one? You're just defending because what we got is Cuba Town, not Chinatown. It it begins with a C. I don't live there. In fact, Cuba, see you next time. We got Cuba Town, not Chinatown. We're going to take a poll on that one of these days. What would you rather have in South Florida? A whole bunch of Cubans or a whole bunch of chinks, huh? And I guarantee you the chinks win. Guaranteed. Hands down your pants. Even with the rat poison. It's a 19... How come I'm so goddamn worked up today? You know what it is? It's It's that Clarence who pisses me off, man, going into hiding. Oh, well, he's in important meetings, and then we got the goddamn Dave Wanstead. What the hell has he got to do with the Dave Wanstead? Was he back to being a flunky producer again with a little cassette recorder? Remember that day they had the Dave Wanstead show on? Was uh, was it Wanstead or was it when Jimmy Johnson was still there? The coach's show with Hank, and the tape was like all warbled up. Remember that day? Sure. And uh, and poor Muff, I hope Muff's not listening right now, because he was the program director at that time and was crapping in his pants. Don't worry, Because the tape was... Hey, coach. Yeah, like that. in a meeting right now, so we weren't <clears throat> able to uh, deliver that message. He's in a meeting right now. Yes. Well, slip it under his door and tell him the answer is no. Anyway, it's 19 to 11 at 560 WQM. Tom Lehman is at it again at Hallett Pontiac GMC. They are absolutely doing it like they always do. They always give you fantastic deals, and right now the deal is zero percent financing is continuing. That is correct. You heard me right. With approved credit from GMAC, you can get zero percent financing up to 36 months. On all 2003 Pontiacs and GMC models, or your choice is yours. You can take a rebate of up to four grand on all 2002 Pontiacs or GMC models in stock, and they got a ton of them. Just exactly what you're looking for. While you're at Hallett, be sure and take a look at the complete line of GMC SUVs, and don't forget Hallett's got a dependable selection of great pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs on the lot as well. Credit problems? If you've been turned off for credit by any other car dealer anywhere in the world, no problem at Hallett. They'll get you into a great newer used car, SUV, truck, whatever you're looking for. So for an unbeatable deal for great service, if you want to be treated right like a human, no high pressure, no BS, this is the place. Hallett Pontiac, GMC at 13401 South Dixie Highway. That's U.S. 1 across from the falls. Open every single day of your life, seven days a week. For more information, call 305-238-4040. That's 305-238-4040. In fact, when you go down there, ask Tom Lehman who he thinks is the most evil person in Dade County. He'll tell you. Hallett Pontiac, GMC. We are professional grades. Hell, it damn near killed him. Spreading my track over party. On the toilet, ripping the seat in pain. Barrels dropping out of my body. Beats popping out of my neck as I scream. All the peanut butter and stromboli With caparitas and pepperoni Just got me screaming and groaning With burning roars <laughs> My fat body is rotting Breaking the sweat My bowels are losing control Feel like 
Okay, 1047. I never want to step on the end of that because it's tough to get off your shoes. Usually I have to throw them away, you know. Well, that's one of the dangers of being in Amsterdam and doing a lot of walking like I do. Doggy do? Oh, doggy do. I mean, doggies do a lot. I, you, everybody must have a dog there. Strange dogs, too. You don't see, like, a lot of normal dogs. You see all these unusual breeds, you know. Foreign kind dogs. Kind of the people. Kind of like the people there, too. But anyway, there's more dog crap on the streets and the sidewalks there because there aren't, like, a lot of green areas. I've told you that before. Right. So they just, you know, when you're walking your dog, it's just squats on the sidewalk or hopefully over there. I told you the one day that guy was picking it up and, oh, all he was doing was smearing it around on the sidewalk. But it's a miracle I never got even the slightest drop. Some close calls, but never the slightest. Because once you get it on your shoe, I mean, there's some assholes out there like take the shoe home and wash it off. Yeah. Well, some, some shoes you can do that with. No. All right. You think you can, but the, uh, okay. the, the aroma... The aroma will linger, just like that number I dropped in the elevator well, down there. If you have, there, like, that... rubber-soled shoes and it just gets on the bottom, you can hose that off. Yeah, you can hose it off. <laughs> Hoser. <laughs> yeah. Of course, not everybody in the audience gets their shoes free like I do from New Balance, but that's right. beside the point. You know, just went in doubt, throw them out, get a new pair. You, you bastard. Yeah. Hey, I learned it from some good friends of mine, okay, getting freebies. Jordan's secret deal would allow U.S. forces to use country to defend Israel. This is... In Newsday today, I'm on Jordan. Despite deep opposition in the Arab world, the U.S. plans for a war on Iraq. Jordan and the U.S. are secretly negotiating a deal to let U.S. forces use the country of Jordan to defend Israel from Iraqi missiles, according to Western diplomats and Jordanian officials. To help stabilize this strategically crucial kingdom against internal rebellion in the event of war, the U.S. will guarantee the replacement of cheap oil supplies that Jordan now gets from Iraq, the sources said. You ready for that? There's that ugly three-letter word again, oil. Or gas. With hundreds of Iraqi agents believed to be in Jordan, Jordan faces a particular threat of terrorism by Iraq's wide intelligence network, intelligence officials in the region, and Western diplomats be seen. Western intelligence agencies are cooperating with those in the Middle East in preparations to counter such a threat, they said. Many analysts of the Arab world say U.S. attack on Iraq would risk broad upheaval against pro-Western governments such as Jordan's, and this politically fragile kingdom has not publicly agreed to cooperate with such an attack because of the pro-Iraq anti-American passions among many of its peoples. But privately, the government of King Abdullah II has decided to work with Washington because it sees the U.S. as the eventual winner in a fight, officials said. In the 1991 Gulf War between Iraq and U.S.-led coalition, Jordan suffered diplomatic vilification for siding with Baghdad. Jordan's rulers now feel that it would be disastrous for the country to side with an almost inevitable loser in a new war, the officials be saying. Jordan and the U.S. have been working together to avoid creating conditions that could cause a popular uprising here or an attempt to topple Abdullah, officials said. The U.S. will not make requests of Jordan that it knows Jordan politically can't carry out, said a Western diplomat. The real concern is that if something happens between Iraq and Israel, the havoc that Iraq could cause in Jordan. As part of a delicate agreement still being worked out, U.S. forces would operate covertly from Jordan's eastern desert to attack mobile missile batteries in western Iraq that Saddam Hussein could launch on Israel, as he did in 91. 
A recent study by London's International Institute of Strategic Studies estimated that Iraq has got only a dozen Scud missiles and none with the equipment to disperse chemical or biological weapons with much efficiency. How do you like that, huh? In spite of the uh, propaganda we're hearing from certain quarters in Washington, like Hermann Goering Jr. Rumsfeld, for example, I rigged American Idol. This is in the Globe, an exclusive. Fan-manipulated voting for Kelly with computer trickery. And there's plenty of pictures here and everything. And by the way, did I actually say that that kid was cute? The, uh, the Willie Ames moment, with the fro? Oh, I think one day in a moment of weakness. Maybe you had a cataract. Oh, man, he's gruesome. Grotesque. In a bombshell confession exclusive to the Globe, an avid American Idol viewer declares he and a pal, a pal used a high-speed telephone dialing device to cast millions of votes each week and fix it so that Kelly Clarkson would win. After weeks of speculation that the call-in results of Fox's mega-head talent show were skewed by fans using high-tech equipment, Roy McCoy of Clifton, Texas, he's the real McCoy, is the first to come forward and say how it was done. I rigged American Idol, McCoy 66, tells us in a world exclusive. My friend has access to telephone dialing devices at the telemarketing firm where he works in Houston, and we used, we used it to make millions of phone calls within a single hour. You believe that? Yeah. We were unable, we were, we were able to manipulate the voting, and each week I picked off contestants one by one to make sure, sure Kelly survived until the end and then won. That explains by manipulating, that. Huh? That explains that. That by manipulating situation. By manipulating the vote and eliminating some of her strongest competitors, I kept her on the show and eventually put her over the top. I bet he'd like to put her over the top of his lap. I don't know Kelly, but she was the best and she was from my home state. I did it for Texas and I'm proud to have done it, he said. Oh! <clears throat> McCoy, who lives 60 miles outside of Burleson, Kelly's hometown, ah, says he got a special joy by eventually knocking off Christina Christian and Tamira Gray, two of the mean judge, Simon Cowell's favorites. I can't stand Simon, he admits. I love doing it to him. McCoy refuses to reveal the identity of his co-conspirator because his buddy fears he may be fired by the telemarketing firm now that the voting scheme has been revealed. When Globe put McCoy's rigging claim to the test, our expert says he's telling the truth. Here's how McCoy's plot to control American Idol worked. You want to hear this? All right. Every week, Fox opened up special toll-free phone lines for each singer immediately after the show. By dialing the number of their favorite and hanging up, viewers were able to instantly register their votes. McCoy says his scheme worked by using a high-speed computerized dialing device, although show executives say the votes from power, power dollars were statistically insignificant. McCoy claims that each of the 30 lines running from the device placed up to 120,000 calls in the two-hour period allotted for voting each week, allowing him and his co-conspirator to call a staggering 3.6 million times. We used it to make sure my favorite contestants made it to the final round, and my least favorites were booted off the show, says McCoy. If we hadn't used it to cast millions and millions of votes for her, Kelly would not have been crowned the winner, he says. In all fairness, I don't think that every single call that we made counted as a vote because there probably were busy signals, but if only 75% of those calls made it through, that's still a lot of votes, millions. There's been widespread speculation that this was happening. <clears throat> in August 19th, headline in the Miami Herald read, Phone breaks may be skewing, phone freaks may be skewing idle votes. The article revealed, with fast internet connections and powerful computer auto-dialing software, about 100 phone freaks are casting Thousands of votes with a touch of a button, producers acknowledge. Producers of the show acknowledge that. How do you like that? Yeah, I heard that. An AP story headlined, Fixing American Idol, read, The self-professed phone freaks combine high-tech know-how with powerful auto-dialing software, similar to what those pesky telemarketers employ, and fast Internet connections to make upward of 10,000 calls from a single phone line. 
And that's just what McCoy says he did from the tiny Clinton, uh, Clifton population, 3,500, where the retired heavy equipment operator lives with his wife, Mimi, 37, and son, Roy Jr., 6. What's his wife's name, Mimi? Uh. I had triple bypass heart surgery last year, so these days I spend most of my time recovering in the Lazy Boy recliner parked in front of our color TV, McCoy says. From the very first time I saw American Idol, I was hooked. I wanted either Kelly or Nikki McKibben to win because they're both from Texas. That's a good reason, isn't it? Sure. He points out that both singers had close calls and were nearly eliminated, but says his millions of votes saved them. And when popular Christina Christian was booted, the people of America didn't know that my votes for the others helped do it, brags McCoy. And just for the hell of it, my sister Johnny Locklear, huh? his sister Johnny Locklear and I would hit up the redial on our personal phones and vote as many times as we could, even as the telemarketing equipment was running. In other words, it was a feeding frenzy. He says, August 20th was the last night he manipulated the contest. All I had to do was make sure Tamira received the least number of votes, and my three favorites, Kelly, Nikki, and Justin, would be the last ones standing, he says. Once again, the great Simon Cowell can be thanked for helping me decide to give Tamira the boot because of his predictions that she dominate the contest. The last thing I wanted, he said, was for one of Simon's predictions to come through. How do you like this, huh? Yep, all makes what? sense now. Uh-huh. Another, another man with no life. Live, Live and local. Sports Radio 560 QA, Poor Joe, out of sight, out of mind, baby. He's a distant third at the moment. Distant third. You turd. Who's the most uh, evil person in South Florida, we asked today, because the search for evildoers is uh, hot and heavy all around the globe, all over the universe. Oh, I got a great story about the universe, by the way. Did you see the Italians discovered water on distant planets? No. Well, we'll get to that. Can't wait. Anyway, we got uh, 231 votes. Mayor Alex Pinga Pequena has got a very tiny lead, just a, a hair, a twisted hair ahead. He's got 67. H. Wayne Hypinga's got 64. So it's a battle of the pingas. Uh, Joe Carroyo, 40. Mo Howard David, 32. Greg Reed, 15. Nick Navarro's got eight. And poor Petey Bolger still has only five. So I guess the... Well, of course, all the radio people are probably at the soup kitchen. The people he screwed over. <laughs> and certainly probably had to pawn their uh, computers anyway. So how the hell could they vote? They have computers at the library. <laughs> oh, no. Cowboys legend Bob Hayes dead at 59. Remember Bob Hayes? No. Who was at one time the fastest man on earth? Well, you you should know that that he was the fastest. He died. Bob Hayes, the legendary Dallas Cowboys receiver and Olympic gold medal sprinter, died late Wednesday at 59. The fastest runner of his generation, Hayes, died in his hometown of Jacksonville, Florida, where he had battled liver and kidney ailments and prostate cancer. Oh boy. Shan's Hospital spokeswoman jo uh, Joanna Norris said the time of death was 11:15 p.m. last night. In 1964, the Cowboys took a chance on the former Florida A&M star with blazing speed but unrefined football skills. His rookie season with the Cowboys proved it was worth the risk as he led the NFL in average yards per catch. Almost 40 years later, Gil Brandt admits he bent the rules in his recruitment of Hayes to play for the Cowboys. Dallas drafted Hayes as a future pick in 64. He still had a year of college ball to play at A&M and in Olympics to run in Tokyo, but Brandt, the Cowboys' personal director at the time, wasn't going to lose this unique speedster to the rival American Football League, yada, yada, whatever. He's dead. 
Bob Hayes is dead. Well, that's depressing. Here's a fact from Eddie in Homestead who says, I support our leaders and this possible war on Iraq. When you get to the last sentence in here, it'll give you a tip-off where Eddie's coming from besides mm -hmm. Homestead. I support our leaders in this possible war on Iraq. I also believe in free speech. But you're wrong, Neil. We need to wipe out all of those people who want to hurt this country and its citizens to include your beloved Chinese. Eddie and Homestead, P.S. Love your show till noon. Can't imagine where he goes over at noon, can I? <laughs> Party radio. Oh, poor Eddie. Poor Eddie who wants to hear, uh, you know, all that right-wing bull crap. Have a good time with it, Eddie. Have a good time. You and Flush. Maybe you can elope. New sports talk. Now, what is this? I can't make out the thing on here. It's uh, all black. No, don't send it to me anyway. Nobody cares about that. Let's get to the important stuff. One of the winners, I think it was the best new artist at the Latin Grammys last night in Los Angeles, was a Cuban singer. Did you see that? No. It was a Cuban. Well, it's a damn good thing. Now, what's this? Flynn and Staten Island. It was closed temporarily because investigators were looking into a suspicious package on the bridge there, but they sniffed it all out, and apparently things are now... That's nothing. Okay. Let us... Don't put this breaking news crap on there unless you got something good at CNN, you idiots, you grave robbers, you lunatic. I'll tell you who to me is one of the worst, I mean, just annoying as hell, is that red-haired, uh, bad hair piece, Aaron Brown. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yes. He is the whiniest, most syrupy, and he and he pontificates. He editorializes. He was on there the other night. He isn't. It's not. You know, it's not enough for him just to be a news guy, which is all he's supposed to be. But he's on there pontificating and preaching to us, and about well, you know, there are some people who actually suggest that uh, the Bush administration wants to uh, uh, invade Iraq because of oil, and he's he's going on with all these ridiculous comments, and I'm screaming at the set. You know, I'm, I'm channel surfing. I'm going from MSNBC over to CNN. You know, to suggest in case there might be something going on, like the end of the world, something minor like that. Yeah. And there's that asshole. He really is. He's pathetic. He is the epitome of what's happened to CNN. No wonder Fox is kicking their ass. I mean, Fox may have a lot of right-wing propaganda, and they might have idiots out there who have no idea what they're talking about, but at least they're entertaining. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no, seriously. I, I, except for that morning show. The morning show on Fox, oh, my God. I don't have want you ever, clown news. Have, yeah. have you, uh, the clowns, the morning clowns. Everything is a big joke. <laughs> and the sports guy, he's the expert on world affairs. He knows everything about everything. He's not just a sports guy. He's a weather guy and a news guy and a foreign affairs expert and an everything expert. Fox. And that's the only reason they have an audience is because CNN is just a... No wonder AOL Time Warner is going in the crap house. You see that? Yes. Man, Good. they are in the turtle. Good. Under three bucks for Sun Microsystems, by the way. Two dollars and change. Oh, these companies, you think they're going out of business? That was another one of Mitch Hirsch's favorite lines. You think they're going out of business? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Speaking of Cuban, see, I had a segue going here and I got all whipped up because I'm whipped up today. I'm whipped up today because Clarence Shine, poor Carlos there, who doesn't deserve that. Doesn't, and nobody on our show deserves that kind of treatment, okay, Clarence? But all you care about is those stupid-ass sports shows and the goddamn coaches show. Ba -ba 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 -beep -beep -beep, the same old tired crap. Give me the ball, give me the ball. Same old crap. How, well, how many ways can you say it, okay? I wonder when the hell the first Patriots-Dolphin game is. That can't be too far off. They got the Jets this weekend. Patriots are playing Kansas City. When's that first? Anybody got a Dolphin schedule there? Carlos can look it up in the uh, on the thing or something. On the thing? Uh, we'll, on a thing. We'll find it. I want to know when that first Patriots-Dolphin uh, game is. As a matter of fact... Oh, if it's in Miami, I might even go to that. I might get my goddamn tickets back. I wouldn't go to that. I wouldn't go to that. October 6th. October, I won't be there. And then, now, which game is that? Is the, that the one in Miami? Oh, yeah, sure. Keep asking. 
Well, it'll it'll say they're on the schedule. No, no, no. Say... Somebody just called it over the uh, the little speakerphone thing. Oh, well, where are they playing October 6th? Is that one in Miami or is that the game in New England? We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll find out. Come on, let's get with it, okay, fat boy? He's probably the one that he just sent me a... a the game is idiot. here. The game is here October 6th. Gee, I won't be able to see that there, but I'll see it here. I'll be sitting in front of my big screen TV, having a great time with my uh, NFL package. Cuba rejects U.S. terror charges, and they're pissed off and fired up about it, too. I saw a clip on this last night. Cuba denied U.S. allegations that it subverted the American-led war on terrorism, challenging Washington yesterday to produce any evidence that it provided false leads on potential terrorist activities. I don't think you heard that story yesterday because you were out taking one of your 14 craps. Yes. In a tough statement, Cuban Foreign Minister Felipe Perez Roque charged that the United States rejected a Cuban offer to cooperate in anti-terrorism efforts and was trying to manipulate a serious issue for political purposes. He was responding to accusations Tuesday by Dan Fisk, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for the Western Hemisphere, that tips from Cuba, which began the day of 9-11 terror attacks and have been arriving almost monthly, have led American investigators on intentional wild goose chases and diverted resources from legitimate targets. Kind of like diverting resources with those pot raids in Santa Cruz, California. All of his accusations against Cuba are false and slanderous, Perez Roque said in the statement. I challenge Mr. Fist to produce a single piece of evidence to support his allegations. He wouldn't respond directly when asked whether Cuba has provided any information to the U.S. government about possible terrorist activity since 9-11. Perez Roque distributed a March 12th letter to the U.S. in which Cuba offered to sign a bilateral agreement to cooperate in the fight against terrorism, drug trafficking, and illegal migration. He read the answer received on June 13th, which said the State Department would not be in a position to consider bilateral cooperation on those issues. There is no argument to justify the irrational reaction by the Bush administration of Cuba's proposal to sign bilateral agreements, he said. Cuba's been under a U.S. trade embargo since shortly after President Fidel Castro defeated the CIA-backed invasion of the pigs in 1961. His commie pinko nations continue to vex subsequent U.S. administrations. Fisk said that despite Cuba's friendly ties with nations like Iran, Iraq, and Syria, Havana's provided the U.S. with nothing of value and charged that Castro's government was actually impeding our efforts to defeat the threat of terrorism. Perez Roque's statement noted that Cuba strongly condemned the 9-11 attacks, offering medical assistance and use of its airports. In the middle of the anthrax attacks, Cuba donated 100 million antibiotic tablets to the U.S. interest section in Havana and offered equipment to screen germs and break up anthrax strains. But Fisk charged that while Cuba was expressing its horror over the attacks and willingness to provide medical supplies, it was seeking to misdirect the investigation. So who do you believe, huh? Do you believe Perez Roque? Although no. I do like saying his name a lot. No. Roque. You don't believe him? I believe anything that they were doing was just for PR purposes. You know what? I don't believe any of them. How do you like that? I think they're all full of crap because they all got their own agenda. See. Things that were avoided. So I guess another way of saying that is that yeah. Your administration and successive administrations have to be right every time, every single time. Richard Armitage, how do you like that? He's saying that there's no room for uh, error, no room for mistakes. You this go, is too Rich. Important. What? I said, you go, girl. 245 votes on our poll. Now, how's it, speaking of that, how's Muff doing? Is he out of his meeting yet? Yeah. And? We, we told him, and uh, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the least bit worried about it. They'll get the engineers to take care of whatever needs to be taken get care of. Get the engineers to get it all undiddled and give this place a little bit of a tune-up when I'm out of here where there's no emergency on it. Like I said, and see, I know what they're going to say. Well, gee, he was all in a big rush about the other day. I wasn't in a big rush. I just mentioned that it needed to be taken care of, and I thought it was something on your end. Aren't most of the technical problems always on that end? Yes. Yeah. Not even a contest. Just like this morning, we had a little bit of a fax problem. I got my log about four seconds before the show. Was it George's problem? No. Was it Carlos's problem? No. It was a fax problem on that end. It was another uh, technical problem down there. Everything is a piece of crap. The phone line wasn't working. Aha. Uh -huh. 
Aha. Uh -huh. I just mentioned that in passing. 245 votes on the poll. Ask me if I give a crap, okay? Do you I, give a crap? Just keep those checks coming, Clarence. Keep the checks coming. I don't care if you pay Carlos or not. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. No, I do care if he pays Carlos. No, see, what they're probably thinking is, oh, well, Neil will throw a few bucks. I'm not going to give uh, uh, Carlos. I mean, he does a fine job. He's helping us with the computer stuff. He's a good guy. But for crying out loud, if he weren't so ugly, you know. Just a joke, Carlos. That's all George, okay? That ugly business all George trying to deflect his own pastiness. You know, that that's all George. Oh, he's just yeah, as pasty anyway. Yeah, well, that, that may be, but you're just trying to deflect it away to another pasty guy. That's all. You're not fooling us. Just remember what his uh, lookalike once said. I want to go out there and break that f***ing guy's neck. Yeah, that's what he said. Well, I'm glad. See, now with Muff, he doesn't overreact. He's got this whole new attitude. He went and, like, he, you know, he calmed down for a couple of months. He got away from Greg Reed, from Maddie Bell, from the Water Nazi, from Mo. He got away from all of that stuff. So he's a mellow fellow now. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, he is. Right. He's slim, he's by the way. I don't know if you uh, noticed, because you can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> if I noticed what, over the phone? Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he sound, I told him, I said, you know, Muff, you sound as thin as a rail. Right. Lost some weight. He said he's feeling great, and that's good. Now, just bug off and don't bother us, Muff, okay? Get a hold of that Clarence and shake him by the neck. See, now that's, see, Muff is above Clarence. You do understand that. Oh, I, I know I don't. I have no idea how that works. Yeah, he's, because he's the operations man. Oh. Duff is only the program director. So he's above Clarence. And of course, Clarence is getting nervous about it. 240, uh, some votes here. Wayne Hypinga has got 71. And, uh, see, now somebody, that guy's gotta be dicking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Pinga has, uh, what is it? Hyzenga 71, Pinga Pequena 70, they're only one vote apart. Joe Carroyo 42, he's no, he's no Roque. I just like saying that. See, you can roll the R's if the R is the first letter of the word. Much easier, can't you? Right. Roque? Mmm. Joe Carroyo 42, Mo Howard David 36, Greg Reed 15, Nick Navarro 8, and, uh, see, in the middle of a word, it's harder. And Peter Bulger's up to 7 now. Nice going, Petey. I think some of the uh, people whose lives you screwed over probably, uh, you know, borrowed a friend's computer to vote on there just to register their complaint about what a piece of turd you are. Am I doing the wrong? I'm, oh, that's, well, that's why. I have to go back to my pile of repeats back here. You know what I'm saying? My pile of repeats. It's uh, 13 past 11 at 560 WQM with your busy lifestyle. You need all the energy you can to feel healthy, especially in South Florida where it's about 142 degrees in the shade every day and humidity is 200%. Oleomed can help you do that because Oleomed is a sensational new product. Oleomed contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with vitamins, minerals, herbals, and these things promote health for your heart. They have a product specifically designed for your blood pressure, your cholesterol, and your prostate, all in little soft gel capsule that you just pop in your puss. Oleomed also makes supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive system, your endocrine system, your skin, and your bones, all using, uh, even one for your mind, using the benefits of great olive oil, the best uh, you'll find anywhere, and Oleomed makes products for men and ladies, too. Are you following all of this? Good. Got it. Picks them up today at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedano's, and Navarro Pharmacies. And if you'd like to get more information about Walgreens, about Walgreens, call Marcy. If you want more information about Oleomed, call 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED, which you can also order online, if you like, on their nifty uh, website, oleomedamerica.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. Get off your duck. has bacteria, throw up or run a fever, with explosive diarrhea, the beef has E. coli, you really should be cautious, you could get very nauseous, the cows are victorious, the beef has E. coli. Eat. Uh, 
So if you're gonna eat it in the bowl, you will leave it. Only getting up to vomit the beef has E-coli. Oh, and I didn't even realize that this uh, McDonald's story was coming in, too, at the same time. You know what? How about that? Because the reason I played that was to lead into this story. Judge dismisses beef lawsuit against Oprah. How do you like them apples, huh? You'll never guess what I'm eating to show you how my mind works. I did the oleomed spot. I went out to my refrigerator, and guess what I brought back? Fish food. Olives. Oh. Fish food? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? Olives. I just did the, I was mm. talking about olive oil, how good it is for you, and I just uh, had a few little olives here. Green ones, I hope. Yes, with pimentos. Mm. Oh, don't you love olives with pimentos? I do. P well, real pimentos, anyway. They don't. You can't get that anymore. What do you mean by that? It's all pimento loaf. It's like a pimento. <laughs> well, I'm sure eventually this will turn into <laughs> pimento <laughs> loaf, but that's beside the point. Anyway, we got that overweight teen swing McDonald's story coming. But the reason I played that was because Oprah judge dismisses beef lawsuit against Oprah. A federal judge has dismissed a lingering lawsuit that accused Oprah Winfrey of violating Texas veggie libel law by maligning the beef industry. U.S. District Judge Mary Robinson threw out all claims and causes of action asserted or that could have been asserted by Cactus Feeding Club, Inc. against Oprah Winfrey, her production company, and vegetarian activist Howard Lyman. I wonder if he's related to Frankie Lyman. The lawsuit filed in 1998 was similar to another lawsuit filed two years earlier that went to trial in Robinson's court. The first suit caused Oprah to move her talk show to Amarillo for several episodes during the trial. After she won the first case, the 138 livestock owners sued her again. The second case was quickly moved back to Robinson's court and had sat there for four years. It was kind of a soft landing to a hard trial, said attorney Chip Babcock, who represented Winfrey. Cactus Chairman and Chief Executive Officer Paul Engler, who was behind both lawsuits, said Tuesday he agreed to the dismissal because he believes he won in the court of public opinion. We had two objectives in the initial suit, Engler said in the statement. One was to recover the tremendous losses we experienced. The second was to prove our, to our consumers that America's beef is wholesome and nutritious. <laughs> Cattlemen contended in both suits that Lyman violated Texas veggie libel law during a 1996 episode of the Oprah Winfrey Show by saying U.S. beef could be at risk of spreading mad cow disease. The incurable illness blamed for several human deaths in England has not been detected in U.S. herds before the show or in the six and a half years since. Not one case, it don't exist here, okay? And she ought, they ought to put her fat ass on uh, death row is what they ought to do. Oprah. That's what I'm talking about. And by the way, yeah. since I got another Oprah story right here, a segue, it wasn't beef. It wasn't beef, sweetheart, that beefed you up to 275 pounds. This is in the Star on page 7. My God. Roly-poly Oprah squeezes into smaller size on TV. Remember I had this one about a week or two ago, and the right. other, I think it was in the Inquirer, the pictures mm -hmm. of her with a, oh, brother. Uh. Want to lose more than 10 pounds instantly with no dieting? All you have to do is get on the Oprah show. The five foot uh, seven talk queen who has packed on 45 pounds recently and now weighs in at 275, <laughs> invested in a new high-tech camera lens device, that ever so slightly stretches each frame without distortion and magically makes everyone a tad smaller and slimmer. It's called the partial squeeze lens. You ever have a, like a partial squeeze? Mm, and it's yes. one of the image conscious Hollywood's best kept secrets. Experts say the slimming technology reduces the weight of an actor by 8 to 10 percent. An earlier, less sophisticated version of the equipment was used to make performers like Paula Abdul leaner in their videos. Sources say the thrilled Oprah 48 feels the camera is worth its weight in gold. How do you like that, huh? And it wasn't beef that made you a big, fat cow, okay, sweetheart? Cows don't eat beef. They eat the uh, Pringles. 
and all the other snack crap that she's always famous for sucking down by the by the pound load. KFC. By the, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about the story about the big chicken right there. A big bucket of chicken in her lap, a greasy bucket of chicken, and the Cheetos and Fritos and the Tostitos. Man, nothing worse than a big fat farter with a bucket of KFC in front of them. You know, like like in network in network. You remember that scene? Yeah. The great Mohammed Khan with his Hussad Shako. What the f you talking about? I'm gonna make you a star, just like Archie Bunker. God, that movie was so good. But what can what can I say? You know what do I know? Overweight teen files big fat lawsuit against McDonald's. We know that much thanks to somebody faxing to us. Thank you. Two teenagers with big midsections have an even bigger beef with McDonald's. Their parents, on behalf of the youths, have filed a class action lawsuit against the fast food giant, saying the chain's unhealthy meals made them obese, which caused them to develop severe health problems, including heart disease. Sue their ass. Sue that Mickey D. John, uh, John Banzaff, a George Washington University law professor who pioneered lawsuits against tobacco firms, is acting as an advisor on the case. He said children often are unable to resist the chain's playgrounds, happy meals, and toy promotions often tied to the release of popular movies. Children clearly are not capable of making health-related decisions, he said. McDonald's tries to attract children, has an obligation to them. Attorney Samuel Hirsch filed a suit in the New York Supreme Court on, in the Bronx in late August. The suit comes just weeks after he filed another suit against McDonald's, Burger King, KFC, and Wendy's on behalf of a 270-pound New York City maintenance worker. That worker, Caesar Barber, 56, said he developed diabetes and suffered two heart attacks after eating the greasy fare from the fast food restaurants four or five times a week for decades. Fans, and, and why not? If, if they can sue the tobacco companies for products that are legal and yet lethal, why can't they do the same thing to these people? Don't you agree? Of course. It's, uh, it would be hypocritical otherwise. Vans have said, just like it's hypocritical of the government, on the one hand, to subsidize tobacco growers, and then on the other hand, tell you that it's uh, going to kill you. Right. Quit smoking. And, and, and then to make it illegal to smoke almost anywhere in the goddamn world. And, and allow people to sue the companies. Vans have said that while Barbara's suit is still snaking its way through the court system, Hirsch has decided to focus more on the suit involving children, since children can't be expected to be personally responsible for their health. Hirsch did not respond to repeated phone calls. The suit, the suit filed on behalf of two teenagers claims that McDonald's... Uh, that's Greg Reed disease. You know how it's spreading? Nobody returns any phone calls. It's like Clarence doing that disappearing act. Has anybody seen him yet today? Yeah, we saw him. He popped in here. And what'd he say? That he'll see Carlos after the show. I'm going to I'm gonna tell you right now, okay? <laughs> if that son of a bitch doesn't see Carlos after the show today, I'm taking him off and the next week, too. And this is getting ridiculous. He he wasn't like apologetic, or he like said he's forgot about it, or he, uh, his dog peed on the carpet or something. Yeah, he was he's, apologetic. He's, yeah, he said he was in the kitchen. He was in the kitchen. That's what he said. With Dinah. Yeah, he, he was he in the kitchen lunch. with vagina. <laughs> he said he had ordered lunch, so he wouldn't have to step out. And uh, I must have not seen him in the kitchen. I got news for it. Clarence wouldn't know a vagina if he found one on his desk, just all by itself. Show him that picture on the wall back there of my. Uh, Voice box. He, he saw it. What do you think it was? No, don't, don't even tell me. Brands have said that while Barbara's suit is still... Oh, we already did that. The suit filed on behalf of two teenagers claims that McDonald's contributed to their poor health and obesity by enticing them to consume larger portions through the use of value meal advertisements without disclosing the health effects. The youth are asking that a jury decide how much they should uh, be paid for the harm that they've suffered. They also want the court to order McDonald's to do more to publicize the dietary content of their products, including an educational program on the dangers of eating certain items. Although the age of the use hasn't been released, Hirsch's office said one of the uh, kids is five foot nine and weighs 270 pounds. 
Well, the other is five foot three and weighs two hundred pounds. Not not even in the B five four and two eighty four. I mean, he was. <laughs> but we're saving his life. Good for us. <clears throat> oh, that's right. What's his name? Gary Sarner wanted me to rotate the copy. Let me look in here and see if I can find the other piece of stellar copy that I got from my good close friend Gary Sarner this morning. And by the way, Gary, the answer on that other thing is still absolutely no. I don't trade out talent fees, okay? You scumbag. You silly professional Jew. VIPsportsbook.com. Does that name sound familiar? Well, it should because VIPsportsbook.com is one of the original online sports books and still the best. Football season started. Have you heard, uh, and have you heard about us? No. Now give us a chance. With, with no with no comma, no period, no nothing. I'm, I'm getting rid of that piece of copy. Let's go back to the other one. I'd be embarrassed if I was you, Gary Sarner. I'd be embarrassed and humiliated and degraded. <coughs> and if you weren't on the on the edge of Greg's uh, inner circle there, your answer had been out of there a long time ago. Is there still anybody out there who's not playing at VIPsportsbook.com? Then I have to tell you, you're missing out on a really great sports book, okay? You hear a lot of ads these days, but you need to do some research before you plunk down your hard-earned cash at some unstable third-world sportsbook like in Cemetery Village. Let me help you out. VIPsportsbook.com is the only book to be unanimously endorsed by the industry watchdogs. They're Dutch-based. Now we're talking my language and one of the first online sports books. Seriously, if you want to go on the roll of a lifetime, you'd want to be with the best sports book out there at the time. And, of course, that's VIPsportsbook.com. The football season is in full force. You need to be with the best at VIPsportsbook.com if you want to bet on Luke Willette. So open an account online and get a 15% cash sign-up bonus or Cat Manzi. Did I mention they have the highest parlay odds you'll find up to 2001 or Jackie Moe? Get over to VIPsportsbook.com and play at a book with class. Their phone number is 866-VIP-BETS. That's 866-VIP-BETS. So what are you waiting for? Go to VIPsportsbook.com, get your 15% sign-up bonus. VIPsportsbook.com. When you call, be sure and tell them, Gary Sarner, a butt plug. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Lay down on my couch. <laughs> Planning your next vacation? Looking for excitement in exotic locations? Then make your next pleasure trip a memorable one. Visit Palestine. Relax as you dine in newly remodeled open-air restaurants. Marvel at the view of the morning sunrise from your open-air hotel room. Experience the cultural differences between Israel and Palestine and back to Israel again all from the comfort of the local marketplace as it changes hands each day. You'll be blown away. So plan your next excursion to the land of enchantment, Palestine. We're just a stone's throw away from the Gaza Strip and Hebron and Jerusalem. 1132 at 560 WQM. Anyway, there's more to that story. I don't want to read the whole thing, but just uh, apparently the two these two kids have been eating McDonald's several times a week for years. Walt Riker, a spokesman for McDonald's, said such suits have no merit. He said the chain serves the same kind of quality food, beef, milk, chicken, lettuce, potatoes, that families eat in their homes every day. You eat the same food as uh, McDonald's in your home every day? Well, when they put it that way, but uh, no. Loaded with, like, just tons no, of don't, fat. No, we don't fry everything and that greased, we eat. Deep fried but and still, grease, I have no which... sympathy for these parents. Who was taking them there? Who was paying for the food? Let's sue the parents. Let's take the children away from them. Okay. McDonald's is a full-menu restaurant providing variety and choices, Riker said. Like, for example, if you want to get, like, a nice lean steak, wouldn't you go to McDonald's? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said the chain makes comprehensive nutrition information available on the company's website, www.scumbag.com, and that children are becoming overweight due to an increasingly sedentary lifestyle. The suits have resulted in a supersized round of mockery from some consumer and industry groups. 
The notion that there is no parental authority over these children is ridiculous. I thought you just said that. Oh. Said, said Mike Buddy, Booty, Booty, a spokesman for the Center for Consumer Freedom, an organization representing restaurant operators and individuals who want to preserve consumer choice. Do little kids steal their parents' car keys and drive themselves to McDonald's? He said the suits have got more to do with fattening attorney wallets than thinning customers. Experts say the fast food suits are a natural outgrowth of tobacco litigation, see, and that courtrooms can expect to see more of them in the future, like we just said only moments ago. Speaking of fat, what a great segue. Guess who this story's about? Fat? Rosie. Oh. Pulls plug on Rosie. Yeah. Former talk show host Rosie O'Donnell abruptly quit her namesake magazine yesterday, citing a deteriorating relationship with the magazine's publisher, Gruner and Jar. Yar. O'Donnell said Gruner and Yar, that's with a J, have been uh, gradually taking control away from her in violation of their contract, and it was no longer feasible for the magazine to continue. The last issue will be in December. I'm sorry to have to tell my readers and my staff that my involvement in the magazine is ending, but my integrity and name are at stake, and that price is too high, O'Donnell said at a news conference. I can't have my name on a magazine. I cannot be assured it will represent my vision and ideas. No lawsuits have been filed, but both suits have, uh, sides have hired lawyers, and in a memo sent to employees, Gruner and Yar indicated it blames O'Donnell. It is truly shocking and disappointing that Rosie would walk away from her obligations to her staff, her business partner, and her magazine audience. In doing so, she destroys the value of the business we created and violates the conditions of our binding contract, the memo said. The magazine debuted in April 2001 as part of a partnership to revive struggling McCall McCall's magazine. O'Donnell won six daytime Emmys in six years as best talk show host, but she ended the Rosie Donnell show uh, in May saying she was leaving to raise a family and do other things. And we'll leave it to your imagination as to what those other things might be. You know what I'm saying? I know. Maybe she's going to go into carpet business on the side, too. Hey, that's up to her, okay? She's a big, fat dyke, and we can't stand her. Not because she's a dyke, but just because she's obnoxious. <clears throat> Speaking of obnoxious, the statue of the falling women, which they've been making a big simmons about that yeah. thing in New York, uh, designed as a memorial to those who jumped or fell to their death from the World Trade Center, was abruptly draped in cloth and curtained off Wednesday because of complaints that it was too disturbing. We apologize if anyone was upset or offended by the display of this sculpture. It was certainly not our intent. The piece will be removed this evening, said Susan Halpin, spokeswoman for Rockefeller Center, meaning last night. Eric Fischel's bronze, tumbling woman, depicts a naked woman with arms and legs flailing. It went on view about a week ago at the lower concourse of Rockefeller Center and was supposed to remain on display through Monday. Maybe outside Eric Clapton's joint they can have a picture of like a falling little kid. They can have like a statue. Okay. I think it, I think it was ridiculous. Bad taste. Mm -hmm. Numerous news photos captured images of desperate people leaping to their deaths as the 110-story towers burned, also in bad taste. Some passers-by Rockefeller Center complained the sculpture was too graphic. I don't think that it dignifies their death, said Paul Lab. It's not art. It's very disrupting when you see it. Some onlookers said there's a need for art that captures the horror of 9-11. I don't think it's in bad taste, Christine DeFonsi said before the statue was covered. It's an artist's reaction to what happened. The sculptor wasn't meant to hurt anybody, Fischl said in a statement. It was a sincere expression of the deepest sympathy for the vulnerability of the human condition, both specifically toward the victims of 9-11 and toward humanity in general. I'm sorry, I just don't think, especially this close to the anniversary, <clears throat> just a week ago, I don't think that people are ready for that, to see art, artistic depictions of people wailing and falling and gnashing. I don't think it's uh, too, too cool. It's gone, it's gone anyway. Won't see it no more. Here's something we're seeing now for the first time, the story I told you about. Italian astronomers have found Ooh. signs of water, a, necessi a, ne a necessary ingredient for life in the atmosphere of planets orbiting distant stars. All right. Having water doesn't mean other planets will be teeming with life, like, say, China. 
But if the discovery is confirmed, it will fuel speculation that it could be possible. This would be a historic discovery, the first detection of prebiotic molecules in an extrasolar planet. Cristiano Cosmovici of the Institute for Cosmic and Planetary Science in Rome told New Scientist magazine yesterday. Cristiano Cosmovici. His team used a 32-meter radio telescope to search for water uh, maser emissions. What's maser? You really want to know? Yeah. Um, it's like a laser, but with microwaves instead of light. So what's what's wrong with that? Oh, okay, just techno science babble. Well, it, it took about three seconds. Okay. Oh, what's Jew Lieberman doing on there? Sure, and partner, the great John McCain of Arizona. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, please, please help us. If there's anybody on those planets, please send us help. His team used a 32-meter radio telescope to search for water maser emissions, telltale microwaves, which could indicate water in the planet's atmosphere, where it's bathed in the infrared light of its star. Cosmovici said his team found the emissions in three planetary systems. Hugh Jones of Liverpool John Moores University said it could be an ex exciting first step in the search for signs of life on other planets. Water's at the top of the shopping list for the ingredients for life, he told the magazine. Not as much water as that family in Utah made their water, their oh, daughter drink. Not quite that much. Not, not quite that much. Were they Mormons? No. Were they morons? Oh, I don't know what they were. Didn't say. But one can only assume. Utah. Yeah, Utah. Boy, what a great place that is to avoid. Yeah. Although I will say on the interstate there, I've driven through it, I think, real fast. About 180 good. miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Just floor it, baby. Get on through there real quick before Orrin Snatch grabs you. Before you get snatched. It's, oh, there's John McCain. Undermined their work. He's looking a lot better, by the way. His uh, head finally healed up. Please. We have to have a comprehensive assessment. Oh, turn the other way, John. You're showing your bad side. Factors that led up. To the tragedy of 9-11. Yeah, they offered an amendment to this uh, Homeland Security Bill that would create an independent 9-11 commission, which is a good idea. Let's have some independent people investigate here instead of like John Ascroft investigating. Scary. What a scary bunch. Hey, Eddie down in Homestead, good luck to you, sweetheart. Okay, remember, there's nothing more dangerous than a brain. So you're safe. Hey, Pizza Loft is some of the world's best uh, goodies, man. In fact, what's today? Today, 8 19th? Right. One of these days, they're going to be opening that new location, and we're going to be getting a breathless call from Jeff Cohen, and he's going to say, Today's the day! Oh! Can't wait. I guarantee you by the time that I'm home that it's going to be open, and I'll be in there. I'll be in there with bells on, with my good friend Marcy from Walgreens for a nice free meal. I'll even bring the Rimmers in there. They'll come all the way over from the other location to that one just to help inaugurate it for a nice free meal. By the way, speaking of the Rimmers, don't forget Panthers in Montreal tonight. Mo won't let Geldy talk about it, but we'll talk hockey on this show a little bit. I mean, he chopped him off this morning like like he had just said your mama or something. I mean, it was incredible. All he had to do was, like, whisper hockey, and that was the end of that. Anyway, Jeff Cohen, is, uh, he likes hockey a little bit. He likes, uh, yeah, a little bit. Anyway, Tuesday is eggplant night. Monday is lasagna night. These are some of the special things they have going on at Pizza Loft every week. Buy one of these dinners on these nights. Get the second one for only 5 bucks. Every Wednesday, kids eat free with adults, and they can see Jeff's famous magic show. And while this magician whips it out for them, every Thursday, like tonight, is biker night at the loft. Come on a motorcycle, buy one dinner, get the second for half price. And, of course, they got it all. They got all your Italian favorites, chicken dishes, and veal, and calzones, and super subs, seafood, three different kinds of great pizza, garlic rolls just dripping with garlic that are the best, the most delicious you've ever popped in your mouth. They've got everything fresh and delicious, big portions, and teeny tiny prices, too. Pizza lot there on uh, University Drive between Griffin and 595, right by the Armadillo Cafe and behind Pier 1 Imports. Tons and tons of free parking waiting for you. For takeout, for delivery, for catering, any event, call 954-916-8880. 
954-916-8880. And don't forget, Pizza Loft is coming any second now. And, of course, in Jeff's case, it's always the case. He's probably going to be coming any minute to the uh, new location in Plantation, corner Knob Hill and Sunrise, right behind Precious Walgreens, then any second now, wouldn't you say? Right now. Soon. Any, may, maybe right now. Live and local. This, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. Young is too young. In our ongoing mission to make everything that is good and decent look as ridiculous as possible, we have mercilessly taken the following material out of context. We've done so without endorsement or permission from those depicted. We hope we've succeeded in reaching our goal, or at least made you laugh. Oprah, everyone is interested, so I might as well ask it. It's not yeah. my normal area. Are you going to get married or what? To be honest, no. No? Because I mean, I, you... No, because I, I've been doing Dr. Phil, actually. Really? Yeah, almost every day. <laughs> But speaking of that, you were going to do a Clinton... Yeah, I did. Uh, gonna... I blew that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to do you haven't done? What I really want to do the most is Martha... No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm licking it. Oprah. Yes. Go away. I'm gone. What a thought. 11.40, and so close to lunchtime. And by the way, speaking of Dr. Phil, that is a CBS show. Carlos informed me before the show today. Did I say that yesterday that I was pretty sure it was? I don't recall. It is. Carlos okay. gave me the information, and he hasn't even got paid yet. He's already providing important <laughs> information like that. But anyway, it is a CBS show. The only deal I'm trying to tell you is that they tape it here every day, uh, and they show it at the regular, the old time, 3 to 4, Guiding Light. Not Dr. Phil. In fact, Dr. Phil's on another network. Now, that's interesting. Dr. Phil is being picked up by a station here that's uh, an NBC affiliate. How is that possible? I guess that's because the local CBS affiliate said, no thanks, or something. I don't something. know. I just don't know. Well, it's complicated here because the, the cable system here, I guess like most cable systems, they do, and especially here since it's not an American cable system, they do whatever they want. You see what I'm saying? Right. So if they want to put global shows on Channel sure. 16 on my cable, they put that on there. If they want to put CBS on there part of the time, they do whatever the hell they want. It's the Canadian effing way, eh? Oh! We like it. By the way, something we forgot to mention. Yes. Something very important that's not going about on that today. new show that's going to be on preceding us with a great lead in with Norm Kent. No, something that's happening today, something that starts today that I just noticed on the calendar. I'll give you a hint. It can't be K-A-T. Yeah. See, I got it right before the uh, first note came out. K-A-T. I mentioned that to Norm Kent last night in our brief conversation. And I forgot to mention about he ought better get your new contract done or else. He is listening, by the way. He does listen to the show. Yeah. Take care of George, okay? It's about time somebody did. And take care of Carlos, too. In fact, let's get a contract for Carlos while we're at it. <laughs> I see you're laughing. I don't think there's any laughing matter there. Let's get a contract for Boca Brian. Let's get a contract right. for everybody who has to do with the show because we don't trust anybody in that place. And you know something? That business about about uh, Clarence was in the kitchen with Dinah. Let me tell you this. Number one, first of all, Dinah's dead. That's number one. And number two, isn't it a strange coincidence that this morning is about the first morning he didn't come in there before the show started? Have you noticed that? That was an important Dave Wanstat show occasion. I keep trying to tell you that. You can take Dave Wanstat and stick him up Clarence's ass. How do you like that? And the whole Dolphin team. How about those Patriots? Oh! I can't wait for that game, man. I can't wait for Troy... Uh, what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> for Tom Brady. Yeah, I get tongue-tied. Tom Brady to just pick them apart. Maybe Troy Stratford will suit up. There's a good guy, Troy Stratford, not just another dumb jock like Roy, but a guy that's uh, like has a little bit of a sense of humor and he's got an IQ bigger than his uh, uniform number size. What the hell was Troy's uniform number? I forget. I he was only was there for like about what was it? I think it was 23. If I'm Could not be. Mistaken. Well, it wasn't 22 because that was Higgy. That's right. Remember Higgy? Yep. Higgy was about three shades darker than Troy. See, Troy's not really a black guy. He's got, got a little black in him. Oh, it's speaking of black. What a segue. <laughs> what? I mean, a lot of segues today. 
Well, this is a really good segue. All right, let me give you the first word of this headline, okay? Okay. Detroit. All right. What do you think? That, that, what, exactly. Can you get any blacker than Detroit, except maybe in the uh, jungles of Nigeria? I don't think so. You can't get Motown darker. Right. Detroit has been. Now, did you say Mo again? See, you're picking no, up. How's I'm... Mo doing on the poll, by the way? 292 votes. What is the uh, most evil? Who is the most evil person in South Florida? What be the most evil? Mayor Pinga Pequena, 83. Wayne Heisinger, 82. They got a real horse fight going on. They got a battle neck and neck. They're side by each, as Frank Salib would say in Mohawk. You know Frank Salib? No. How about my good friend Ian Framowitz that owns all those good racehorses? Oh, uh, no. Driven by Randy Waples and trained by Bill Robinson. Nice going there, Ian. Um, Joe Carroyo, 43. Mo Howard David, 42. Giving Joe Carroyo a run for his money. Greg Reed, only 16. It's a long drop-off from O to Greg, I'll tell you that. Greg has only got 16. Nick Navarro, 13. And Pete Bolger's only got 8 because all the other people that he screwed over, they're on, uh, they're, they're, they're in a, they're all sleeping together in a dumpster somewhere. The people whose lives and careers he destroyed. The backstabbing Pete Bulger. Scumbag. Know nothing. Oh, and you'll... Oh, before I get to Detroit, I got a great piece of news for you. Ken? From Norman Kent. I could use one. No, seriously. Guess who's lost his ass because he got all these incentives from Cheap Channel in the form of stock options. And the stock, of course, is now <coughs> in the toilet. David Ross. Isn't that great news? <laughs> All right. Hey, David, blow it out your ass, sweetheart, okay? Take your stock options and shove them. How's the market doing, by the way? Well, there's a couple of Chinese people. My old man in the world here at the top of the government. Bad day. <laughs> and 120 down, 117 on the Dow, and about 15 down on the uh, NASDAQ. NASDAQ's getting close to, like, a 1,200 level, and the Dow, like I told you, is under 9,000. I mean, uh, when I say under 9,000, under uh, 81, it's uh, going to be under 8,000 before the day is out. Bad news, boys and girls. Bad news. You bought a bunch of worthless crap just like I did. Oh, are these companies going to go out of business? I hope you go out of business, Mitch Hirsch, okay? I should only pray I'd get religion for that if I thought it would help. I would pray to Tabitha and uh, whatever, uh, her, Hecuba, whatever her name is on Passions. You know Hecuba? No. And Connie, evil Connie with a sewn-up face? Yeah, they had to bring another doll on the show after Timmy died, so they got Connie, who's got her face all sewed together, because Tabby threw she threw her in the doll form against the wall, and her face broke up. So the evil, uh, what's her name, the zombie charity had like soared together again. At any rate, you're missing good stuff. I'll tell you that right now. Detroit has been hit with the biggest outbreak of syphilis in the nation, an epidemic that has led to a shakeup in the state health department. Health officials said the reason for the crisis is that city and state officials became lax in their battle against the disease after a drop-off in cases in the 1990s. Detroit had 245 new cases of syphilis this year as of July 30, and the number is likely to reach 500 by the year end, said Loretta Davis Saturla, director of the State Health Department's Sexually Transmitted Disease Division. Davis Saturla said she was also informed by Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta that when updated national figures are released last month, Detroit will have the highest rate in the country for 2001, Detroit with its population of nearly a million. Schwarzers, that's just in the city. Greater Detroit is like three and a half million. You know how many people are out here in the GTA, the greater Toronto area? No. Over 5 million. Do you realize that? No, I didn't. I didn't. Next know. to New York, next to New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago, this is the largest city in North America. And the Mexico City. How many in Mexico City? About 100 million? <laughs> At 3 least. billion? Oh, man. Can you imagine what it smells like there? I don't have Woo! to. I saw an article. Aye, Poppy. Well, as a matter of fact, speaking of Poppy... I noticed that a week from Saturday, I'm just advising in this before you fill out your little menu from Balance for Life, for your afternoon snack on Saturday the 28th, a week from Saturday, you got a choice 
tuna salad over sliced tomato or lemon poppy cheesecake. Mm. But for people like you, it says they call it eye poppy cheesecake. <laughs> and for the Jews, it's, it's called oy. poppy cheesecake. It's eye popping. It's eye popping. You'll love it. Anyway, uh, Davis said Triller would not discuss specifics of uh, the cases, saying only that changes are made to bring about an overall improvement in eradication efforts. Her office oversees much of the city's sexually transmitted diseases program. Syphilis typically appears first as a sore, usually on the genitals, on your penis, on your uh, vagina, it's on your private. As a chanker, then develops as a rash. It can be cured with penicillin, but left untreated can damage the heart, the eyes, the brain, other parts of the body. Who died from syphilis in jail? Was it Al Capone? Yes, it was. Boy, how did I remember that? You want to know why I remember that? Why? Because I saw it on Biography, the Biography channel. Right. Don't you just love that channel? And he went to jail for? Tax evasion. Very good. Oh, well, that's that's a piece of cake. Well, not a lot of people know that. They think that because he was a gangster, they got him on something like that. Nah. And by the way, it was Jack Nicholson and Danny DeVito and Hoffa. We know that. I, right. And what's his name? Cliff Gorman, who also <laughs> died. Cliff Gorman doesn't count, okay? I'm sorry. I don't want to sound disrespectful or insensitive, which I generally am anyway, but... Cliff Gorman doesn't count in the same category with Kim Hunter and Johnny United. So just, oh, but how about, uh, we had who, uh, Bob Hayes. Who? The football player, the ex-cowboy, the fastest man in the world. I had that on before, Bob Hayes. You yeah. better, uh, you better know your dead football players, mister, cause you sure don't. I'm gonna stick the goddamn bridge tender after your ass. The CDC, in fact, it says the resurgence in Detroit of syphilis comes at a time when the disease in some parts of the country has all been but eliminated. Now, I remember once upon a time when Miami was number one in that category. In syphilis? Yeah. Wow. A few years ago. We're number one, damn it! Right, because generally anything bad in Miami, we can always say... We're number one, damn it! Like in screwed up elections? We're number one, damn it! Illegal aliens? We're number one, damn it! Crooked politicians? We're number one, damn it! Old Jews? We're number one, damn it! Incompetent radio broadcast types? We're Etc. But I'm, syphilis is the number one in Detroit. Where for quite a while there, they were number one in murders too in the country for many, many years. You want to know why? Why? Too many farces there. Hollings files bill to allow some airports to miss baggage screening deadline. The chairman of the Senate Commerce Committee wants to extend the deadline for some airports to screen all baggage for explosives and propose more ways to tighten aviation security. Senator Ernest Hollings, Democrat of South Carolina, filed a bill late Tuesday to allow up to 40 airports to take six months longer than the December 31st cutoff date to meet the requirement. The committee is planning to discuss the proposal. In fact, they're probably doing it at this moment today. This is not a blanket extension of the deadline, Hollings spokesman Andy Davis said yesterday. What they needed to do was meet some of the realities of the TSA is facing, the Transportation Security Administration, which is doing one hell of a bad job. Hollings' bill would set stiff penalties for people who ignore security checkpoints, provide more security training for aviation industry workers, and develop an inspection program for freight trip on passenger and cargo planes. The Transportation Agency, created in response to 9-11 attacks, is responsible for airport security, including buying, installing, and operating minivan-sized bomb detection machines used to check luggage. Agency Chief James Lloyd told Hollings' committee last week that engineering problems will cause as many as 35 of the nation's 429 commercial airports, including some major hubs, to miss the deadline. And, of course, we don't have a list of those in this story because this story is from uh, Associated Press. They don't have time for that crap, okay? Wouldn't it have been nice to find out where those 35 where they were? Yeah, who cares? That are going to meet the, um, uh, the debt, et cetera, and so on? Oh, and look at that. 22 Cuban artists nominated for Latin Grammys were not granted U.S. entry visas and couldn't attend last night's ceremony. Can you believe that? I believe it. Oh, no. Denied but by they... them or us? By us. Oh. By the us-a. By the U.S., eh? 
307 votes on a on a poll, and they do say that here, by the way. That's not a joke. They do say that, which is kind of oh, scary. Oh, I, I know. I didn't believe it until I actually went there. To where? You went to Canada? Yeah, remember? I lived on the other side. Oh, you were over An like hour in the... drive. B.C., baby. Oh, you went to B.C. That's because you were busy smoking pot. <laughs> Always smoking pot. That's where this man goes. Anywhere he can... In fact, Georgia probably be at Santa Cruz next Wednesday. It was only a one-day uh, special, okay? I We're not giving it away. 1156 at 560 QM. If you love your home, but you just don't have enough space to do all the things you need to be doing, what do you do? Well, you call our good friends at Strictly Editions, like hundreds of smart people are doing. Whether you're having a baby and need another room, maybe you're converting a carport or patio into living space. Maybe you went into business for yourself, want to make a home office. Maybe you need another bedroom to take in some out-of-work uh, radio people, thanks to Pete Bolger. Anyway, whatever the reason being, call Strictly Editions. They're your one-stop shop. You're more space for your place. Place with an absolutely worry-free approach to expanding your living space. No shows by the other contractors that you've experienced in the past ain't going to happen. Incomplete work? No way. No unexpected bills. No worries about the job not getting done right. They take care of every last detail. Sit back, relax. They drop your blueprints. They get the building permits, handle all your inspections. Strictly Editions has got that easy five-step approach to total customer satisfaction we keep telling you about, and I have no idea why. Number one, they call to schedule a free project evaluation appointment at your home where a project estimator will determine the scope of your addition. Number two, schedule a bid appointment in their convenience showroom where you'll get a detailed proposal and an exact price for the work, exact price. Three, select your finishing touches, go to contract. Four, review the design architectural drawings, and then after that, just sit back and relax as your dream addition moves ahead with, on schedule with unbeatable quality. It's as simple as that. You can't get much simpler than P.D. Lenny. Give Strictly Editions a call. Check out their ad in the yellow pages, if you like. And they serve all of Broward and South Palm Beach County, by the way. Call 954-791-8100. That's 954-791-8100. They are licensed and insured. They're professionals who do super work for you. Tell them O'Neill taught you to call Strictly Editions, 954-791-8100. <laughs> Now I do believe it be the one to twelve hour. You are to be happy and to be feeling carefree because President Saddam Hussein has defeated the infidel Clinton and the satanic America while causing great embarrassment to the covetous and inflicting great pain on our enemies during the recent UN inspection standoff. This is why, my fellow Iraqi citizens, Baghdad McDonald's is to be celebrating most strenuously this weekend. <laughs> Automatic weapons have to be fired into the air without regard for human safety as you enter the Baghdad McDonald's. Bring what remains of your family to be meeting Ronald Mohammed at the door. Do not be forgetting that noon today I am to be chopping off the hands of the hamburger. You are to be sending the fruit of your loins to play in the kitty bunker as you choose from a most tempting menu that includes Big Macs with secret scuds of Fish McBoom sandwiches. Quarter founder with views, not to be forgetting our famous flies. <laughs> yes, my fellow Iraqi citizens, we are to be celebrating our wondrous leader Saddam Hussein's victory over the soulless ones of the United Nations. And eat this weekend at the Baghdad McDonald's. A portion of proceeds will be given to our great leader Saddam Hussein's most secretive researching program to be building weapons of mass destruction. So anyway, those 22 artists who couldn't get visas, those from Akua. Yes. Soloist members of seven groups were unable to receive the proper visas to attend the show last night, according to Cuba's Vice Culture Minister, Abel Acosta. Among those who could not be there are jazz pianist Chucho Valdez, God dang it, guitarist Ray Guerra, and rapper X Alfonso. My God. The State Department of Washington declined to comment. Telephone calls to representatives of the Latin Recording Academy in Los Angeles, which puts on the award ceremony, were not returned. They got nothing to say. They're mum. Isn't that sad? 
Well, and of course, you can imagine if the awards would have been held in Miami, there would have been oh. like nobody would have been there. Camonista, Camonista. They probably would have kept Mark Anthony out, and I would have said, "All right, good choice." The joke was on Wacko Jacko. This is in the Inquirer at the MTV Awards. Speaking of award shows, plastic surgery king Michael Jack, plastic surgery king Michael Jackson came completely unglued at the MTV Music Video Awards, suffering a severe panic attack before his horrified handlers forced him to go on stage. Oh, by the way, I, I forgot before noon. I should have said goodbye to those people who turn over to Russia at noon. See ya. Michael was completely unhinged, revealed an MTV insider at the star-studded event in Manhattan's Radio City Music Hall. I knew he was weird, but this was scary. We were on our way to the stage where he was to join Britney Spears as a presenter when he just snapped. Michael started waving his hands in the air above his head and started repeating over and over again, There's too many people! There's too many people! <laughs> he suddenly stopped short and he got this frightened look in his eyes. I thought for sure Michael was going to turn around and run. But a show staffer insisted the gloved one fulfill his commitment. Michael nodded and walked on stage like nothing had happened. But things went downhill from there. Bouncy Brittany gave him a birthday cake because it was his 44th birthday. And she remarked that she felt Michael was the artist of the millennium. Remember we got sucked in by that? Well, not me. I was talking all about how he didn't win the award. When was that? In when your, I was doing your... the, uh, the summer show talking about it. Oh. The Labor Day show, as a matter of fact. Oh. Wacko Jacko thought she was giving him an official award with that title. I made a speech accepting it. See, that's why I was confusing a lot of people. He thought it was an official award. <laughs> I know. I was making fun of him. The host, Jimmy Fallon, joked that they were giving those awards to everyone. I heard him squeal in his high-pitched voice. <laughs> I won't be made fun of like this, said an insider. An MTV executive said, Michael acts as if he's king of the hill when he's really over the hill. Very Isn't good. That a shame? That's a nice line. Yeah. The king of the hill is over the hill. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of American Idol, they, oh, this picture, if you could see, they are both, man, they give new meaning to the word parshane. These two, Kelly and uh, J Justin. Yeah. I mean, so I'm not saying that if you're talented, you have to look good, because most people with a lot of talent don't look all that great, because God, you know, spreads it around a little bit. No, God. That's right. American Idol love, finalist Kelly and Justin are real-life sweethearts, it says. Do you believe that? I heard that before, whatever. Songbird, oh, he is grotesque, man. Another picture of him. In fact, he looks like a girl. Right. You know what? He's oh, more feminine than she hair. is. Songbird, Kelly Clarkson has not only become the first American idol, she's also won the man of her dreams, singing rival Justin Guarini. The two idol stars have become real-life sweethearts as well as America's sweethearts over the past few months, and the producers struggle to keep the romance under wraps, the inquirers learned. How do you like that? They were rapping it. Kelly, probably in plastic. Kelly and Justin are locked in a very heated love affair, revealed an insider. Show exec, in fact, someday she might even get to see it. Show execs had worked just like uh, your good friend there. What's her name? Jessica Simpson and uh, Nick. Oh, yeah. She was on uh, that 70s show, by the way. She's got new breasts. Yeah. And new what about improved. Nick? Uh, does Nick have a new penis? Unfortunately, she doesn't have a new face. I see. Well, that, that is her weak link. There's no her question nose. about that. From the chin down, she's fine, but she's got a little... Well, that's good. They can rub their noses together because he's really great except for his nose. They both have a little nose problem. In fact, that, they're going to be doing a duet. Nobody knows the trouble we'd be seeing. What was the song they did? It was the theme from that awful movie. It was whatever it was. Anyway, Kelly and Justin are locked in a very heated nose affair, revealed an insider. Show execs had worked harder to keep the blossoming romance under wraps since Justin attracted a huge following of teenage girls. Oh, oh man. He's on so, TV, dummy. Oh. In the beginning, all ten finalists arrived at the show together in the same limo, and they shared a dressing room. Of course, and Stink has got a big following of teenage girls, too. What does right. that tell you? They're on TV. They like ugly guys with no penis. But Justin and Kelly 
were spending so much time together, producers hired separate cars to pick them up and drop them off, and they gave them separate changing rooms, divulged the insider. Sources say it was inevitable the two got hooked on each other. They have similar interests, admire each other's talent, and spent three months together living in the same house with other finalists. They just couldn't resist, re resist each other's charm, looks, and charisma, said the insider. Justin himself confided, we're both goofballs and have a great time together. We just really got connected. We just hooked it up. We just stuck it in there. Justin, 23, and Kelly, 20, are both from small towns. She's a former cocktail waitress, and he was a door-to-door -door salesman. Neither was involved romantically when the competition started. Their romance was fast to ignite. After one especially great performance, they were back at the house with some of the other contestants, and Justin was raving about Kelly's talent, revealed the insider. They were holding hands and hugging as if they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Then they slipped off quietly to a room together. Ooh. Oh. The next day, the whole studio was abuzz with talk that Justin and Kelly had spent the night together, and many more nights after that. Becoming overnight sensations, living in a mansion, and falling in love is beyond their wildest dreams. It's in the Inquirer, baby. Oh. It's in there. God damn it. They're doing it. You believe us? No. Well, we'll say it louder next time. They're doing it. Rodney Dangerfield's doing it. You know what he's doing? Dying? <laughs> he thought he was. Rodney Dangerfield caught smoking pot in intensive care. Oh, All right. Rodney Dangerfield was rushed to a hospital, terrified he was having a heart attack, and to calm himself, he fired up a joint right in the middle of the intensive care unit. The 80-year-old comic, who has been battling heart disease for more than 10 years, was brought in by his devoted wife, Joan, 49, who says her husband panics every time he feels a, twin, a twinge in his chest. He goes, Oi! Rodney came into St. John's Health Center on Saturday night, August 31, white as a sheet, drenched in sweat and holding his chest with both hands, an inside source revealed. It was obvious he was in a lot of pain. He must have thought he was Milton Burley. got confused. He was holding it with both hands. He was moved to the ICU unit and left alone to change his clothes in the bathroom, and when the door was shut, he lit up a joint, said the source. He said later it was to calm his nerves. When a nurse opened the bathroom door and a cloud of pot smoke hit her in the puss, <laughs> an insider disclosed when the staff realized what was going on, they were furious, and so was Rodney's wife. They didn't even allow flowers in the ICU, so you can imagine how they feel about any kind of smoke. God, can you even begin to imagine that? Yeah, I'm imagining it right now. Deliciously different marijuana. Deliciously different marijuana. People were shocked. Someone on the floor called security. When they arrived, they went to his room to talk to him, but the damage was already done. What could they do? They couldn't throw out an 80-year-old heart patient on his ear, especially somebody as famous as Rodney. When Rodney sheepishly admitted to smoking pot, he was given a good scolding. Some people in the hospital thought it was funny, this old guy sitting in ICU getting high, but the nurses were fit to be tied. Rodney sincerely apologized to the staff and told him it would never happen again. But smoking the joint did, did calm down the panic-stricken star. He was suddenly much more relaxed and not afraid at all. When the nurses got his IV hooked up, he was laughing and telling jokes like nothing had been wrong. This time, doctors told him his pains were not life-threatening. He was released Sunday morning. He was told to take it easy, but leave the drugs alone. Leave the drugs alone, Rodney. Come on. No more wicked weed. Deliciously different marijuana. Oh. Deliciously different marijuana. All you kids out there, there's a good message for you. If you don't, if you don't quit smoking that wicked weed, you wind up like Rodney Dangerfield, 80. <laughs> and rich. And rich and famous. 322 votes on our poll today. We're asking who's the most evil person in South Florida because there's a lot of evil in the world. In case you haven't listened to our president lately, there are a lot of evil doers and a lot of evil to be eliminated in the world today. First we go to Iraq, then we go to North Korea, then we go to Iran, and then we take care of Sudan, then of course Syria, Mexico, Canada, China, Britain, Holland, 
Belgium, Argentina, and Switzerland. 322 votes. Who is the most uh, evil person in South Florida? Mayor Pinga Pequena, 89. H. Wayne Hazinga, 88. There's a little uh, dog and pony show going on between those two back and forth. Joe Carroyo, 55. Mo Howard David, 45. A very strong fourth place show. A nice going, Mo. Nice go, Mo. Greg Reed, 20. In fact, uh, John Rocker was in the building last week, I heard, being, you know, the uh, longtime controversial jock that he is. And he was in, Geldy introduced him to our morning guy, and Rocker walked up to him and said, You, Mo? Greg Reed, 20. Nick Navarro, 16. And Petey Bulger's only got nine. Come on, Petey, you can do better than that. Twelve minutes past noon at five. Maybe we can get the sheet to say that, you know what? Come on, Petey, you can do better than that. Well, if we could just bring back the sheik, wouldn't he be good in the morning? As as what? As a morning laugher. Come on, Neil, you can do better than that. In fact, he if you stop and think about it, isn't he the only guy we've ever heard who's got a, a more shrill voice than Geldy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, puts, he makes Geldy sound like Walter Cronkite. You know, mattress shopping is a real pain in the ass, in the keister, in the rump. Because it requires, if you do it the wrong way, a lot of schlepping around and, you know, comparing prices here and there. And then, of course, you go into a department store and they let you, they've still got the plastic on the mattress. They let you lay down on it for like about 10 seconds and they're standing over you like, okay, that's it. That's the test you get. Forget about that. Get your mattress the smart, easy way by calling my good buddies at Dollar Mattress tool free at 1-800-MATTRESS and get the ultimate freedom of choice with the top brand names in the world. Not some off-brand you never heard of, but the top makers anywhere, Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coil, the best manufacturers of mattresses ever been invented. And no store can match their everyday low prices, and because they got the deepest selection of brand name mattresses, they don't bait and swish you into one you didn't want in the first place. The one you're looking for is in stock and ready for nearly immediate delivery any day of the week, seven days, when it's convenient for you in any two-hour window. Between noon and two and one and three and two and four, three fifteen and five fifteen, etc. So pick up that phone and do it the smart way. Call them right now and don't forget they give you that thirty day in home comfort guarantee to try to check it out in your house the right way, up to a month. Sleep on it, do your thing on it, make sure it's the mattress that's right for you. Call them right now, they'll be there knocking on the door in no time. One eight hundred mattress, one eight hundred M A T T R E S. Check them out on their website if you like it, mattress dot com. Dick in the White House? McDonald's is cutting the fat in their fries, but here at McDougal's, we're upping the fat. Let's up the fat. Why eat healthy when you can enjoy those good old grease-soaked, artery-clogging French fries at McDougal's? Let's up the And double the size of our fries. Now try McDougal's Double Death Wish Combo, a burger and soft drink. Yeah, Jolt, that's got like 10 times the caffeine and 40 right. times the sugar. Mm-hmm. I think I think they make that in Rochester, right across the lake. There it is. Dale Alexander, the Information Technology Director for Albuquerque, New Mexico Public Schools, was not exactly a fan of filtering software for blocking pornography and other websites deemed inappropriate for children. But when Congress required of its schools that received certain technology grants, Alexander had no trouble deciding whether to install the software. Up to $14.7 million was at stake. There was a lot of money on the table, Alexander said, and outweighed any arguments that good adult supervision, not a filtering product, is the best solution for dealing with unsavory online content. All across the country, schools are installing filter. The only unsavory online content I've ever seen was that online detective. All across the country, schools are installing filters or expanding their use despite flaws in the software, which sometimes blocks legitimate sites needed for lessons. You following that? I got it. 
For the most part, schools had to install filters by the new school year, an unwelcome surprise for some students and teachers. It's left a lot of teachers scrambling to help kids get the information they'd be needing, said Tom Henning, a high school physics teacher in San Francisco. And you sure have to know about your physics. In one case this summer, he said a student researching racetracks for a news for a paper found resources on them blocked as gambling sites. <laughs> in Albuquerque, the swim team couldn't get sites on swimsuits. Oh, oh, wow. the pain! Just like I said, that Sears catalog is going to be next. Couldn't find uh, research material on racetracks, on Hazel Park, and Brad Kramer and Vince Copeland and Troy Boring and Kevin Wallace. Shame on you people. And Eric Goodell. The Federal Children's Internet Pro and Red Ross. The Children's Federal Internet Protection Act also requires filtering in libraries and Francis O'Hare. But that the provision is on hold after a federal court in Philadelphia struck it down as violating First Amendment guarantees and appeal is pending. But the requirement for schools and their libraries was never challenged, partly because schools typically have greater leeway in restricting student conduct. Affected programs include technology grants from the Education Department and the popular E-rate subsidies that are funded through telephone surcharges. And while the law covers only sexually oriented materials, many districts are using the same filters to voluntarily block e-commerce, games, violence, and other material. For Kim uh, Kastura, change your name, Kim, a senior at Ossining High School in Ossining, New York. Isn't that what the uh, Sing Sing is? A what? In Ossining, New York is where Sing Sing prison is. Oh, I had no idea. Well, now you do. You just learned something. I'm pretty sure. For Tim Kajsura, a senior at Austin High School in Austin, New York, filters meant choosing a new senior project because a site for Red Hat Inc., a company he was going to profile, mysteriously got blocked. About half the sites I try to access for research on any given topic are blocked. Many of them the most useful, he said. What's the use of technology if we can't use it? It's like having a penis. What's the use of having it if you can't use it? That's what Clarence said. At least one district in Eugene, Oregon, has rejected the grants in question about seven grand. Rather than expand filtering to all schools, filters are imperfect and give students and parents a sense of security that really is not there, said Les Moore, the district's director of computing information services. Filtering companies generally won't disclose blocking criteria, considering them proprietary. Most schools have policies for overriding blockages. Sometimes it's simple as having a teacher do it on the spot. Ever have a teacher do it on the spot? No. I bet you wished. Yes. For others, it involves a community-based review committee around the filter account. Well, just another example of what's going on, folks. When in doubt, block it out. Poll. Seven in ten think U.S. will be at war with Iraq a year from now. Seven of ten remember. Now, see, if this is true, then we're, we got a real problem, you know? <laughs> we got a real problem. No, seriously, because... If they do start it, they want to. They want to start the war like in late January and February. They want to. They got it all cooked up to get going. And if we're going to be in war a year from now, if it's going to take like till next September, we got some real serious problemas. Seven out of ten Americans say they'll think the U.S. will be at war with Iraq a year from now, according to a poll released Tuesday. The poll was taken just before Iraq invited U.N. weapons inspectors back into the country. About the same number said they believe if the U.S. doesn't take military action against Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein, he'll eventually use weapons of mass destruction against this country. Almost half said they expect that within five years, while a fourth said that by next year, and a sixth said in the next six months he'll be using it. The CNN USA Today Gallup poll, right wing, of 803 adults was taken Friday through Monday and has an error margin of plus or minus four points. Other uh, findings in the poll, President Bush's job approval was 70%, an increase from recent weeks when his approval was in the mid-60s. Two-thirds, 68%, said Bush is asking Congress to support military action because he thinks prompt military action is necessary to protect the United States. About a fourth, 26%, said he's doing it to help Republicans in elections. A third, 35%, said some Democrats said they thought Democrats are reluctant to vote because they want more evidence. And six in ten, or 59%, said they want to wait because it might hurt them, the Democrats, in the election, which they got it right. 
weak-kneed, jellyfish, spineless Democrats just all cowering. And like I said, he did the right thing. He waited right till right before the election, put him into a box. He boxed him right into the corner. You know who else is boxed into a corner? I give up. Jerry Lewis. Oh. If you could see this picture, no, I'm sure you... Oh, boy. I mean, does the expression bufo toad come to mind? I mean, this is sad. This is tragic. Jerry Lewis collapses during show. Beloved funny man was talking about suicide just hours before. Laugh legend Jerry Lewis, when pulled out of a charity appearance at a London theater, sources reveal. This is in the uh, Globe. Ironically, just hours before his shocking collapse, the 76-year-old funny man had confided to a reporter that he was so ill in the spring he considered blowing his brains out. George said he'll be glad to loan him his piece. Now, you wouldn't do that. No. He's got to buy his own. But stagehand Alan Walsh tells the Globe that Lewis was in high spirits when he suddenly caved in while waiting to take the stage for the September 8th High on Laughter Benefits show at the Palladium. Jerry was watching a monitor backstage, was in great form, laughing and joking with everybody while says in an exclusive interview. One minute he was sitting back in the chair looking at the screen. The next, his head lolled to one side, and he was in obvious pain and struggling for breath. <gasps> like that. Paramedics were called. They put the comic who was fighting for air on a stretcher and carried him into the ambulance. Lewis was given oxygen while his pulse and blood pressure were checked. The medics wanted to rush him to the hospital, but Lewis, who had done his grueling 24-hour annual muscular dystrophy telethon in the U.S. the week before, refused. I heard him telling, I'm going to be fine. There's no need to take me to the hospital, says another theater source. Just make sure those guys keep the show on the road. Let's roll. Hours earlier in the interview, Lewis said that he was in so much agony from an old spinal injury earlier this year, he wanted to kill himself. In April, he got it so bad that it forced me to get a gun and seriously think about putting it in my mouth, he confided. I thought my life was over. But a doctor fitted him with a special pain-blocking electrical device that worked so well, he recently was able to hold his daughter, Danielle Ten who he adopted with his wife, Sandy, 51, for the first time in nearly two years. Lewis, a diabetic, has also battled spinal meningitis and prostate cancer and is currently taking the steroid prednisone to combat the lung disease, pulmonary fibrosis. Boy, he sure got a bunch of things, you know what? Bunch of stuff. That drug, prednisone, has caused him to gain 52 pounds and drastically puffed up his face, which is why he looks like a bufo toad from the chin up. Still, despite his problems, Lewis insisted he be taken home and not to the hospital after his backstage collapse. All Jerry wanted, says the source, was a rest in his own bed. And hopefully had a good dial mattress. Oh! Isn't that what Fat Boy would say? If he were here. What do you mean by that? Well, he's not in the room. Well, he's not in the room, but he's he's around somewhere, Pally. He's sitting down there faxing me some more crap, some more useless garbage about gay country music stations, crap that nobody cares about. Get to work, uh, Fat Boy. Go sell something before your time is up. And believe me, it ain't long now. 349 votes. Who is the most evil person in South Florida? Mayor Pinga Pequeña, 100. H. Wayne Hypinga Zenga, 96. Joe Carroyo, 57. Mo Howard David, 47. Greg Reed, 21. Nick Navarro, 18. And Petey Bolger breaks through into double digits with 10. Oh! Let's hear it for Evil Petey now, huh? The evil one. 1226 at 560 WQM, the Mad Dog. Jim Maddox will be on a one. Hank at three with Bino Cook. In the five to six hour. By now, I am positive you've heard the incredible earning potential of being a computer professional, and you've heard us talk about the incredible demand on this station for certified computer professionals. They need you. You've also heard us talk about the great people at Fast Train. It's time to do yourself a big favor. Pick up the phone and call Fast Train toll-free at 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Start making some serious cash. You can complete your program, get certified in just four short months, and be on your way to a new, higher-paying, satisfying career. Fast Train's got four convenient locations all over Dayton Broward, including the newest one in Kendall. Fast Train's got convenient day, evening, and weekend classes to fit your schedule. They've got full-time job placement department with over 30 years experience, so these are the people you want to be doing it with. 
Pick up the phone, call our good friends at Fast Train right now while you're thinking about it, and get started right away. Call toll-free 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN, or you know how it goes. Check them out on their website, which is FastTrain.com. Live, live and local, we're Sports Radio 560 QAM. At the honey, Junior. Are you sick and tired of being overweight? Yes. Want to lose that big butt? Yes. Thunder thighs? Yes. Turkey neck? Yes. Arm flaps? Yes. Love handles? Yes. Double chin? Yes. And beer gut forever? Oh, yes. Well, now you can. With no dieting, no pill popping, and absolutely no exercising. Through simple hypnosis, the pounds will merely melt away. This revolutionary program, designed by founder Big Al Lumpkin, will train your brain to believe you're thin. Here's how it works. I put you under, I whisper my magic directly into your Methul Hamlingada. Now, you're still the same fat that you always was, you just don't think you is. Let me demo it for you. This here is Barbara. She is big. But after just one session with me, she thinks she's like Twiggy or something. Here, watch this. Hey, Barbara, what are you wearing to the beach today? My thong bikini. Ooh. I mean, she's got to be like 340. But in her head, she's 112. In reality, that's how much one of her ears weighs. Still not convinced? All right, meet Steve. He weighs in at 620. Hey, Steve-O, I'm digging a new trowel. What's the waist size on them bad boys? 34, Big Al. Ooh. Try adding a zero to that, fat boy. See, they just don't realize. Face it, the only thing that matters is that you feel good about yourself. So look, eat like a pig and then come see me. I'll whisper the old voodoo mumbo-jumbo into your cellarum. And presto, you are a skinny mini. This program has not been approved by the FDA, NBA, or NRA. and may not be suitable for anyone with an IQ over 40. Testimonials were given by actual program participants who believe they are thin, but they are not. Ever see anybody with ears, a fat person whose ears were fat? Yes. That's, that's really above fat. and beyond. Like fat earlobes, you know what I'm saying? And fat eyelids. God. Said anybody we're thinking of in particular? No. No, just in general. 1232 at 560 WQM Australian Jews Oy. win landmark racist website case. Australia's Jewish community won a landmark court case Tuesday when a judge ruled a website that denied the Holocaust happened and vilified Jewish people was illegal under racial discrimination laws. They took your, your site down, huh? In the first Australian court decision on race, hate, and the Internet, Federal Court Justice Catherine Branson ordered Frederick Tobin to remove offensive material from his Adelaide Institute website within the next seven days. The offending material denied the deaths of millions of Jews during the Nazi era and said Jewish people who were offended by or challenged Holocaust denials were of limited intelligence. The court was satisfied that the respondent had published material on the World Wide Web which is reasonably likely in all circumstances to offend, insult, humiliate, and intimidate Jewish Australians, Branson said in the court's judgment. The court sitting in Adelaide also ordered the... What is it? Also ordered Tobin to issue a written apology to the president of the Executive Council of Australian Jewry, Jer Jeremy Jones, who brought the legal action and to pay the court's costs. Tobin said on his website he'd appeal the ruling. A former school teacher, Tobin was jailed in Germany in 1999 for seven months on charges of inciting hate through, through pamphlets. Oh, speaking of pamphlets, you know one of the things that I see around here? Oh, it's so pamphlets? sad. See them handing out the uh, Jesus pamphlets on the street corners, you know? Oh, yeah. They got these brainwashed kids, and they like got their Bible in one hand, and they and they they stop, especially the Chinese. Now, you know, why can't they leave the poor chinks alone already, huh? 
I mean, rubbing Buddha on the head never hurt anybody. Why, why do they got to go after them? And they got all their little Jesus pamphlets and all oh, the end days are coming and blah, 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 you know. Very sad. Bush has cabinet full of wealth. If uh, Carlos is a little bit short, if if uh, we don't get him on the payroll right away, if our good, close, personal friend Clarence is uh, continuing to go into hiding today, we can always take a loan for, for uh, Carlos from the Bushies. When Vice President Cheney and 14 other statutory members of President Bush's cabinet meet, Ten of them have one thing in common. They're millionaires. In fact, a third of the cabinet members, according to their financial disclosure statements, are in the $10 million-plus range, while another third are in the $1 to $5 million range. Pikers, schleppers. The heaviest hitter is former Alcoa chief executive Paul H. O'Neill, now the Treasury Secretary. He's worth between 67 and $253 million. Disclosure forms don't give specific price valuations for holdings, but instead require officials to state whether an asset is worth from for example, 100000 to 250000 or 5 to $25 million. Like most of his affluent colleagues in the administration, O'Neill has taken money out of directly owned stocks to avoid allegations of conflicts of interest and placed it in mutual index and other funds with a wide variety of holdings or into government notes. O'Neill, for example, reported that he has between 25 and $50 million in the Vanguard Institutional Index Fund, 5 to $25 million in a Solomon Smith Barney Money Market Fund, and 5 to $25 million in the Dodge and Cox Stock Fund. The cabinet member with roughly the same amount of assets as O'Neill is Defense Secretary Donald H. Don't call me Hermann von Gehring Rumsfeld. <laughs> Over the past 25 years, Rumsfeld's been chief executive of G.D. Searle and Company and General Instrument Corporation and served on a number of corporate boards, including the Tribune Company, which owns the Los Angeles Times and Chicago Tribune, and Kellogg Company, Sears, Roebuck and Company, and Allstate Corporation. Rumsfeld reported that he is worth between 62.1 and 115.8 million dollars. Over the past year, he's purchased 5 to 25 million dollars in the Vanguard Municipal Bond uh, Intermediate Fund and Bernstein Diversified and a bunch of others. Vice President Cheney was in third place. The former chief, chief executive of Halliburton Company is worth between 22 and 104.1 million dollars. Secretary of State Colin Powell has also put some of his money into tax exempt funds, including 5 to 25 million in the Calvert Fund Tax Free Long Term Fund. His other major holding is an investment of 5 to 25 million in the Brandywine Blue Fund. And it goes on and on and it just makes you want to scream. Makes you want to call up Mitch Hirsch and bitch his ass out, you know? But I guess we better not do that. Utah kidnapping mystery solved, aren't you pleased? It's solved. That's what the Inquirer says, and if it's in the Inquirer, we uh, might raise an eyebrow and say, hey, guess what? And it's got a picture of Richard Reese. Remember him? How's he doing? He died. How cops crack the Elizabeth Smart case is the headline. Of course, it's a lot easier to crack it after the prime suspect is dead. Utah police are privately saying that they've solved the case of teen Elizabeth Smart's kidnapping, even though the 14-year-old's body has not been found. Investigators have pieced together a scenario of how and why she was abducted from her Salt Lake City home June 5th and disappeared into thin air. The authorities are convinced that handyman and heroin addict Richard Reese, 48, is the culprit. But his sudden death August 30th from a brain hemorrhage has dashed hopes that he'd confess and confirm the investigation's conclusions. And even as Utah police privately pinned the blame on Reese, there were odds with the FBI, some of whose agents believe Elizabeth's kidnapper may still be on the loose. Reese was always the Utah cop's number one suspect. And you notice they never called him a suspect when he was alive? Well, who cares about But now that he's dead, they can call him whatever the hell they want. A source close to the investigation told the inquiry he's always number, number one. He was well known by the Smart family as a, a friendly handyman, and those close to the case feel he abducted Elizabeth after a botched break-in. The cop's key piece of evidence against Reese is the hardcore addict's history of entering kids' rooms during break-ins and a belief uh, that items he could steal for quick cash would be written off by their parents as simply lost. 
His M.O. of listing valuable items from kids' rooms to pawn for drug money backfired that night when Elizabeth awoke to find a man in the room, said the close source. That sealed her fate she had to be, getting rid of, be gotten rid of. Reese took his secrets to the grave, said an insider. How do you like that? So the case is closed, so they say. You tell police. Yeah. Now that he's dead. Case closed. Wait till the Ramseys croak. Oh, case closed. In fact, there's some people who can't wait for the Ramseys to croak, and I think Patsy may not disappoint. You know what? Uh, I know. I'm watching that. I think you keep a close eye on that bitch. 21 till 1 at 560 WQAM. New Balance of South Florida covers all your athletic and footwear needs. If you need new athletic shoes for cross-training or cross-dressing, running, walking, weightlifting, for other weekend warrior activities, New Balance of South Florida has got your feet covered. New Balance of South Florida does it the old-fashioned way. They measure the length and the width of it when you go in the door to make sure you get a perfect fit. That's your feet. With all other brands of shoes, if they don't fit, you have to go to another model or type. Not with New Balance. New Balance has athletic shoes that give you the best possible fit from infant all the way up to size 20. So if you're like one of them big or basketball players with gigantic feet, or maybe just like Tom Welling, who for a white guy has got awfully big feet, they can take care of you at New Balance. They've got the style, sizes, and widths of shoes that only before you could find in catalogs or by mail order. New Balance is your one-stop shop, and if for some unlikely reason they have to special order those shoes, they will at no extra charge for you. So make a run over to New Balance of South Florida and Aventura Mall, Pinecrest, Boca Town Center, and coming in November to their newest location in prestigious Palm Beach Gardens. If your feet could thank you, they would for schlepping you to New Balance. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Fat Rich reminds me of my mother. Woo. Hiya, Pally. Sorry, hi boy, I didn't see you in there. Don't look, okay? I'm making it. At least close the door, will you? I can't. Don't go looking in the door. I spread my legs when I splat. My cheeks are touching the floor. Don't want nobody to see me like that. I'm reading the paper in the handicap store. Please don't come in. Beast and Geldy. Mark and Joe. Pally, Prop 45 at 560 QM. Here's the faxes. Where can I get the info you just read on the millionaires in the Bush administration? Can you tell me who the author of the article is? Well, just to show you I'm a great guy, I had to go back into my little trash bag back there and uh, pull it out. I yanked it out. 
Bush has a cabinet full of wealth. It's in yesterday's Washington Post, and the author is Thomas B. Edsel, E-D-S-A-L-L, page 827. Even give you the page number. How do you like that, eh? I never noticed that before. The Washington Post on their website, they even give you the page number that it appears on. That's pretty damn Andy. good, you know. Washington Post yesterday, Thomas B. Edsel, he, uh, whatever his name is, Bush has a cabinet full of wealth, is what it says. There you go. No extra charge. Al Gore blasts Bush for Florida election problems. Former Vice President Al Gore, who lost his bid for the White House in a bitter vote recount battle in Florida two years ago, said yesterday that Florida needs a new governor to fix its election problems. Absolutely correct, sir. And we need a new governor to fix the state is what we need, not just the election problems. We need a new governor. During a brief stop in Palm Beach County, the epicenter of the 2000 election debacle, Gore said Governor Jeb Bush failed voters again during the primary election. You don't think it's the sour grapes, do you? Maybe. A little bit. You don't think he holds a grudge, do you? Lockbox. <laughs> I think maybe the whole Jeb Bush family ought to be in a lockbox. Stay out of trouble that way. The governor pledged to fix it all and make it the envy of the world, Gore said. Nobody expected that he would fail as badly as he did. The November 2000 presidential election dragged on for 36 days until Gore lost Florida, allegedly, to George W. Bush by 537 votes. In try 537 votes, my ass. In trying to recover from the national embarrassment, Florida spent $32 million to reform the election system. Many countries purchased new voting machines to replace punch card and butterfly ballots. And I say countries, counties. Well, in the case of Dade County, many foreign countries. But during the September 10th primary, the first statewide use of new systems, hundreds of voters in the two largest counties said they were tur uh, turned away because of equipment failures. Other tabulating problems and recounts led Janet Reed to wait a week before she concluded Tuesday to Tampa, conceded Tuesday to Tampa lawyer Bill McBride in the Democratic gubernatorial race. Even though uh, the late night comics have gotten a hold of it again, it isn't funny, Gore said. It ain't funny. It's a pile of crap, is what he said. It's a bunch of doo-doo. Gore said he stopped in West Palm Beach because he wanted to help, well, what's her name? What's Carol Roberts? No, not Janet Reno. She already lost. Carol Roberts, a West oh. Palm Beach Democrat, who's running against E. Clay Shaw. He said she's a fighter. She knows the people and has the best interest of the people at heart. The breakfast at the Governor's Club in West Palm Beach drew about two dozen people and was expected to raise at least fifty grand for Roberts' effort. How do you like that? That's from the Palm Beach prestigious Palm Beach Post, which I'll say it again, crappy sports section, but other than that, they got some pretty good crap in there. It's okay. Religious and public stations battle for share of radio dial. The Reverend Donald Wildman, founding chairman of a mushrooming network of Christian radio stations, doesn't like national public radio. He detests the news. Oh, and speaking of crap, guess who Larry has on? Here, all this stuff is going on in the world. Here's Jesse Ventura on MSNBC. Here's, uh, you know, people that might have a little bit of credibility or at least somebody you might want to hear. So who does the Kingmeister have on last night? Uh huh. Reverend Dobson. Or doctor, whatever the hell they call him, the Dobson, James Dobson from the Focus on the Family or whatever uh -oh. his right-wing uh, pseudo-religious organization is. And what do you think? I, you know, I was just channel surfing, so I tuned in for like two, two minutes. What do you think they were talking about? I, I give up. Homos. Oh. Isn't that a surprise? <laughs> the world's biggest problem. Homos. Anyway, Reverend Wildman detests the news that the public gets through National Public Radio, believes it's slanted from a distinctly liberal and secular perspective, said Patrick Vaughn, general counsel for Mr. Wildman's American Family Radio. In Lake Charles, Louisiana, American Family Radio has silenced what its boss detests. It knocked two NPR stations off the local airwaves last year, transforming this southwest Louisiana community of 95,000 people into the most populous place in the country where all things considered cannot be heard. In place of that program, and morning edition car talk and local Cajun program called Bonjour Louisiana, listeners now find 
homeschool heartbeat, the Phyllis Shoefly Report, and the conservative evangelical musings of Mr. Wildman, whose network broadcasts from Tupelo, Mississippi. He says, if it was good enough for Elvis, it's good enough for me. The Christian stations routed NPR in Lake Charles under a federal law that allows non-commercial broadcasters with licenses for full power stations to push out those with weaker signals, the equivalent of the varsity team kicking the freshmen out of the gym. This is happening all over the country. The losers are so-called translator stations, low-budget operations that retransmit the signals of bigger distance stations. The FCC considers them squatters on the far left side of the FM dial, and anyone who's granted a full power license can legally run them out of town. Religious broadcasters have done this to public radio stations in Oregon and Indiana as well, and many large public, large market public radio stations like WBEZ in Chicago complain that new non-commercial stations, most of them religious, are stepping on the signal at the edge of their transmission areas. Stations are scrambling for these frequencies at a time of rapid growth in the national NPR audience and even faster growth in religious networks like the American Family Radio. It owns 194 stations, has 18 affiliates, and has applications for hundreds more pending with the FCC. The non-commercial band is getting very, very crowded, and there's just a lot, just not a lot of room for new stations in desirable areas, said Robert Unmacht a Nashville-based radio consultant. The competition is fierce, and the Reverend Wildman is especially hard-nosed. His people are very good at what they do, being unscrupulous and knocking other people off the air. How do you like that? Typical and, of course, when I'm, when I'm over there in Amsterdam and channel surfing on my satellite dish with my 1,400 channels, uh, there's Paul and Jan Crotch, TBN uh, this country, TBN from that country. That's what they do. They get all these old suckers to send in their, mo their money, their 20 bucks, their 50 bucks, their 100 bucks to make their, their uh, God-to-save-us pledges. And they take those tax-free millions and millions and God only knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars, and they buy up uh, radio and television stations all over the world so they can spread the word and to make more cash. That's the good word. The good word, you bet. When they open up those envelopes, man, they say, oh, God, that's good. You bet. When all that cash falls out and those gigantic checks. 1251 at 5. And see, that's okay. Desperate old people, sad people, lonely people, superstitious people. Miss Cleo, she's bad. But all these uh, so-called TV from a Benny Hinn, Benny Han, whatever the hell his name is, and Jan and Paul Crotch, and all these other fakers, all these other Farbissina Goyim with their homo talk. And then don't forget, of course, Dr. Kennedy, who's really hard up. I hope that everybody, when it comes to be 1 o'clock, as you're listening to the Mad Dog, get in your car, drive by the Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, empty out your wallet, throw a few bucks on the lawn there. They're hard up for cash. Help out poor Dr. Kennedy. Hey, you want a chance to win a free beer from the Vermont Teddy Bear Company? Just sign up to be a preferred member. That's free, too. Find out more by calling 1-800-829-BEAR or visiting their website at vermontteddybear.com. If you're looking for a fun and different gift for somebody's birthday, new baby, or just want to wish somebody well, sending a Bear Graham gift is a nifty, a swell idea. Just call 1-800-829-BEAR, and a bear counselor will help you choose from over 100 handcrafted beers, personalized just for your loved one, and delivered in a colorful gift box with candy and a card. It's a creative alternative to flowers, and it'll be enjoyed forever because unlike flowers, which are dead in hours, Vermont teddy bears are guaranteed for life. You can choose from bears like the new baby bear with the baby's name and birthday embroidered on the bib or wish somebody well. And I'm not, I'm not making this one up. Sometimes I mix them up. Wish somebody well with the Good Wishes Fairy Bear. <laughs> They've got bears for hobbies. Send one to Carlos. Oh, not you, Carlos, the other Carlos. Or maybe our Carlos. They've got bears for hobbies and occupations, too, like the gardening bear and the cooking bear or the businessman and women bears. Overnight and Saturday delivery is guaranteed. So call today, 1-800-829-BEAR, or shop online at VermontTeddyBear.com. Show you care, send a bear. It's the creative alternative to flowers. Tell them that old Neil told you to call toll-free, 1-800-829-BEAR. I did it again. Can oh. you believe that? Now, what did I do? I don't know. Want me to do I it? I thought I hit that. My. My. 
and local. And I did. This is Sports Radio 560. QA2AM. Push. Don't like all the Harper. Don't, don't, don't. Every time I see. That retarded dimwit on my TV. He's President Trump's Republican muscle and an articulate idiot. I don't know why they would want this guy, but now he's here. We're screwed the next four years with President Trump's. Oh, what I can do Count votes once more And get to we all voted for Why did you want this? Dumb, dumb, dumb Lips drumming, stupid heat Dumb, 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 dumb I'm this drunk and rich kid Dumber than me. He's president of You don't care what it took. You got him in by hook or crook. The Christian right knows what's best for you and I. But have no fear. We've got a great leader here. With president of You know, just reading that number again, because I had forgotten because of the passage of time. 537 votes is the final number they finally whittled it down to by hook and by crook, mostly by crook. Yeah. And here to think that Bill McBride beats Janet Reno by almost 5,000 votes. Now, almost 5,000 out of a million doesn't sound like that many, but compared to the presidential election. Right. I mean, this was like a landslide. Right. Landslide. <laughs> I mean, major gigantic win. Don't even think about recounting any votes. And, of course, this whole thing was marginal anyway and suspicious and suspect and psychotic. 537 votes. They could steal that like in, in 10 seconds with, a, with a, a punch of a button. How many thousands of dark folks, uh, dark folks didn't get to vote in 2000, huh? Thousands. So here we got people who, you know, manipulated and stole the election by crook. And then, of course, should it come as any surprise that they're manipulating the public now into this public opinion thing, and, you know, everybody's whipped up into a frenzy a year after 9-11, and we just celebrated the anniversary of it, and now we've got to go into Iraq and a whole song and a dance? You've got to be a patriot, baby, which is why the cowardly Democrats are trembling and peeing in their pants and afraid to open up a mouth. So you got to hand them for that, for a masterful song and dance. The only problem is Saddam seems to be throwing like a little monkey wrench in the works. You notice that? Yeah. Every time they, he's like a uh, master manipulator. Every time they think, uh, he, like, what's his name? That was uh, what was his name? The guy that uh, got out of the uh, the escape artist, Houdini. Yeah, Harry Houdini. Three hundred seventy-eight votes on our poll. Who's the most evil person in South Florida? Mayor Pinga Pequena, one hundred eight. H. Wayne Huizenga, one hundred four. That's a horse race. That's a real battle, baby. Right down to the wire. Joe Carroyo, sixty-three. Mo Howard David's in the running. 51, Greg Reed, 22, Nick Navarro, 19, Pete Bolger, 11. And by the way, we're almost out of time, but I should point out, 
Yeah. Uh, yesterday, Joe Rose filled in for the Mad Dog, who decided to screw off again yesterday. Right. But wouldn't you think we got a program director now, an operations manager, we got uh, 75 bureaucrats, and nobody even can let us know who the hell is on the air. Bye, bye, bye. The Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Will Chamberlain rate me?